3: Back to Buckeye Talk. It's Michigan Week. Ohio State versus Michigan, noon on Saturday, and Cleveland.com will be there. I'm Douglas Maurice here with Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, and we are talking into a box. We usually do this in the office. Today we're at Nathan's house, and in an attempt to diminish the echo in the room, the microphone is in a box, and our heads are going to be in a box as we talked to you about the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. That's how much we love you. Our heads are in a box. We have a 243 text questions. Usually we're in the hundreds. So I'm mostly saying this to myself. Keep it short. We will attempt to uh, hold answers. You guys have to keep your answers under 20 seconds, and I have to keep my answers under six minutes. That is the plan <laughs> for today. Um, which, to one,
1: which one will be harder to do?
3: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was good uh so listen ohio state is what's the what's the line what's the line still nine nine-ish as of a couple of hours ago so when i sent out the call for tech subscribers and you can get a 14-day free trial go to cleveland.com osu to get through the michigan game and the big 10 championship game free trial then give up for december and come back for the national title or just stick with us four bucks a month the 243 answers we got, I also said, when you send in your question, tell us if you could only pick one, would you rather win the national championship or beat Michigan? This is like this huge question this week, and it's because Ohio State has already clinched the Big Ten East. They're going to the Big Ten title game no matter what. The way the rest of the, the country is shaken out, they could lose to Michigan, win the Big Ten title, and what, Nathan, like 100% make the playoff in that scenario, basically? Um, I don't know if it's 100,
2: but it's really good. It probably depends on maybe what happens in the Big Ten Championship game, who they play, how that game goes.
3: No, it's almost 100. I think the only way that they wouldn't get in if that would have to include Georgia beating LSU, and you're putting two SEC teams in, plus undefeated Clemson, and now it's Ohio State versus... Maybe one lost Utah or one lost Oklahoma. But I think Ohio State gets in ahead of them as one lost Ohio State. So I, I think you're probably right, yes. So I think they're almost certainly in. So we are going to deal with the answers to this question of which would you rather win. And there are lots of interesting questions. What do you guys think? I've only tallied up like 60% of the answers because I couldn't get through all 243 so far. What do you think it is so far The voting, National Championship or Michigan, I will tell you that there are 78 votes that I've counted so far. How many for each one? I would guess it's probably about three to one.
2: Which size? So what, now i got to do a fraction? No, I'm saying like if there's, okay, so rounding up to 80, I would say that 60 of them would say they'd rather win a National Championship.
3: Did you see the number on my sheet?
1: Yeah, I did.
3: Yeah, I like saying. <laughs> I said I wrote it down, and, and Stephen immediately looked down, and I was like, "So you're that guy?" Yeah. I don't know
1: what's your answer there?
3: <laughs> it's fifty-eight to twenty in favor of the national right. championship. Right. I will say this is an interesting thing. See if you guys buy this, and we'll get to the game. Some people are saying they almost, on, on some level, not would welcome a loss, but they realize that if Michigan wins it will add a little juice back to the rivalry because Michigan hasn't beaten a good Ohio State team since 2003. Does any part of that make sense to you? Of course nobody is saying no Ohio State fan wants Ohio State to lose, but they're aware of that idea. Well, a,
2: a Michigan win over Ohio State in this game would be good for a lot of entities other than Ohio State, um, whether that's the Big Ten Conference, whether that's potentially college football overall, um I, but I do. I don't know if I go so far as to say it would be good for Ohio State in any way. Um, I know, yeah, it would maybe add some juice to a rivalry that's been so lopsided. But I mean, I think people get up for this game still, regardless. It's just that Ohio State's been on the winning end of it. Now for a good run, we've seen over time that that hasn't always been the case. Maybe there's in some future era where things would slide back the other way. I don't know, but um, it's been certainly quite a while since that, that's been the case. I, I just, but I don't think that has really yet diminished the level that. People seem to care about this game.
1: I don't think one win is going to revive a lopsided rivalry. It's gone from, like, in the 90s, it was Michigan who was dominating this rivalry. And now, since the turn of the century, it's been Ohio State who's dominated this, this rivalry. And so, I don't think one win's not going to, like, revive whatever that is. It's just, like, it would be 1969 all over again where Michigan has a chance to, to end the season. Well, not in the season, but like, kind of put like a little asterisk next to it because now it's not an undefeated national championship team. It's a team with one loss heading into the college football playoff.
2: Yeah, I guess the way I look at it is in the 90s when Michigan had its run, it didn't diminish Ohio State's um, d- desire in the rivalry. It well, no. caused them to go fire their coach. And go well, not immediately, else. but yeah. But eventually, eventually, that was a big factor in why they changed coaches. So, I, I, again, I don't know that one side being lopsided necessarily extinguishes the
3: um, fervor that people have for the rivalry. I think Michigan winning would be a gigantic deal because um, Jim Trestle and Urban Meyer are a combined 16 and 1. The 2011 Michigan win like almost doesn't count. It was the weirdest Ohio State season ever. That whole season was was screwed up. It was an interim coach. It's very easy for Ohio State to brush that aside. That was a lost year. And I think we've talked about this before. It's the idea of Michigan beating a good Ohio State team. Like That Michigan win didn't really hurt Ohio State fans because that whole season hurt Ohio State fans. Mm-hmm. So, of course, losing to Michigan hurts. But this would be 10 times, even though... Ohio State could still go on and win the national championship. This would be much bigger to lose this. And if it was a scenario where they could knock Ohio State out of a national championship run, that would be gigantic. I I just think the rivalry could use a reminder for everybody. And it's not that you—I don't care who wins. I'm not rooting for anybody to win or lose. But Ohio State, on some level, has almost forgotten that they can be good and lose to Michigan. Because it hasn't happened since 2003. And I'm just trying to think about like if we were covering this game next year and Ohio State was coming off a loss, even if they were national champions, it would change the tone of the entire week. Everybody's thought process would be completely different for Ohio State next year. And I would imagine it would be the same on the Michigan side. Everybody's thought process would be completely different because you wouldn't be these hopeless, broken-hearted, sad sacks, you'd be the guys who are coming off a win against Ohio State. And so in the big scheme of things, it's like if Ohio State loses to Michigan this year, for instance, but then they win another 16 in a row or something, it's like, oh, they won 32 out of 33, whatever. So then that's still going to be a thing. It's not, But Michigan's comeback in this rivalry has to start somewhere. It has to start with one win. And as long as there are no wins, nobody can ever imagine Michigan getting back to even, yep. getting this rivalry back to the point where you don't know what's gonna happen. At the moment, everybody on both sides assumes, even though people picked Michigan last year to win, and people thought Michigan was gonna win, there was still some idea of like, well, we'll believe it when we see it. I think it I think it the minute it happens, and if it's a good Ohio State team, it absolutely changes everything for everyone. And I think I went my six minutes. Buzz, <laughs> I'll stop. Well, like, uh, do you guys get that? Yeah, like that and, idea. Well, and that doesn't even begin
2: to go into the narratives, kind of peripherally around this game of why can't Jim Harbaugh beat Ohio State? Um, you know, being one of the uber personalities in college sports that people follow regardless, and they point to this game as having this extra significance. And if, as Ryan Day talked about today, if you're a coach in this rivalry, you're judged. A significant portion of your of your performance is judged on how you, whether or not you win this game or not. So that applies to Jim Harbaugh, despite the success that he's had there. And then, so if Jim Harbaugh wins, then it becomes, even though it's only going to be his second time through, next year, Ryan Day gets all the questions, when are you going to beat Michigan? Even though it's only going to be the second time around, you know, th- th- there's going to be impatience there. I think, you know, that whole narrative kind of exists unto itself, separate from, the two teams that are actually taking battle each year.
1: I think if Jim Harbaugh wins, then it just becomes, okay, you, couldn't, you just couldn't beat one of the 10 greatest coaches of all time. And less about like, the, like, obviously the rivalry thing is still a thing, but it, that becomes the narrative is Urban Meyer was just Urban Meyer and you just couldn't beat him. But if he loses this game, then it brings up the conversation of, what well, you already couldn't beat Ohio State when it had the legend. Well, the legend's gone now and you still can't beat this team. And then that, that's a whole different conversation It's all right when it comes yeah. to hardball.
2: The first thing you're saying also wouldn't even completely be fair because if they were to play this game in week four this season, I think Ohio State would have cleaned up because that Michigan yeah. team still had not figured things out. The fact that they're playing it in this week, you're still you're getting a Michigan team that I think is just hitting its stride and kind of still maybe on its way up. We may you know still be about to see the best – Example of Michigan yet this season
1: Yeah but we've seen that narrative before Last year like like Doug said they can't, Like Some people had their favorite to win this game There is obviously the, the year with the spot Where like if that's spotted differently Then maybe we're talking a different situation And Harborough has that win already But the, they've been in this position before Where it looks like they're starting to catch their stride And might make a run towards something bigger And then Ohio State's right there and they're in the way So the only difference is They don't have Urban Meyer on the sideline anymore Alright
3: Um Let's get into what we think is going to happen in the game, and I, and I think my final point on that is it, it. You're so defined. Coaches are so defined by the Michigan game, but you're really defined when it's lopsided. John Cooper, Correct. that's the yeah. number one thing on his resume as an Ohio State head coach: two ten and one. Jim Trestle, the number one thing on his resume as an Ohio State head coach is 9-1 and against Michigan. Urban Meyer, the fact that he was undefeated against Michigan, of all the things that he did here, won a national title, only lost nine games in seven years. If you asked Urban Meyer, what's the number one thing on your resume? He'd say 7-0 against Michigan, no matter what. But, like... If it's balanced, then it's a, like Bo right. sometimes beat Ohio State, sometimes he lost to them. Woody sometimes beat Michigan, sometimes he lost to them. Now Woody won more than he right. lost, but then, like that's what it should be. I don't think it at it its be best. Shouldn't be all end all. Yeah, because it shouldn't be. It should be like, oh, you played your rival, you both were good. Sometimes you won, sometimes you lost. If you won more than you lost, good. Right. Earl, but Earl, you know Earl Bruce was. Five and four against Michigan, and got fired for going nine and three too much. He didn't get fired for losing to Michigan. He got fired for not winning enough overall, it's, because it's of, he was good enough against Michigan. It's part of the package. Like if if a coach,
2: if 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 I told you now that the next ten years Ryan Day would go four and six against Michigan, but with five trips to the playoffs and three national championships,
3: wouldn't that be okay, yeah, that, Buckeye Nation? Yeah, it would, and it would be. The Michigan thing then goes lower on your resume. It's still important. Right, right. But because it's not lopsided, you're not either deemed a failure or a savior. You're just a good coach that was about even against a rival. It's just that we're just trapped, and I've written about this in the past. We're all trapped right now. We're trapped in such
1: a weird stage with this rivalry. Are we? Because it's been that way For a long Like Obviously like you for guys are, 30 years Yeah so that I don't know if that, That's not track That's just what it is now Like I think like but, They bring but, up the boa And Woody thing why things. I I That's like that's I think that's on like who they've hired as coaches. That's on the football programs they've built. That's on the recruiting that they've done. But it's like this is like I'm 25 years old. So I don't know the the Woody and Bo days other Than like learning in history because I'm from here. Of like it's a back and forth. You don't know who's gonna win. No, it's either oh Michigan's the heavy favorite or Ohio State's been the heavy favorite. Yeah, and it shouldn't be that. way. It shouldn't be that way. But you're trapped in your current reality, young man. A trapped is like. 10 to 15 years, not 30 years. That's no, like, this is just a worse trap. It's the set no, because this is what it's been. Like, the, uh, I, I think a trap, correct, is, and it shouldn't but be, tra- but traps are temporary things. This, this is, is not, a this, is not
2: this is here, not semantic. This is not
1: being, this has not been a temporary thing. Like, no. this is not trap a trap. When I think of a trap, I think of something that's like. This small window of things, where like you look back on it in the grand scheme of things, and say, "Man, this was really weird." Okay, this this is no longer. Man, this is really weird. This is the norm right now. I apologize. We are
3: not trapped in this. We are in a prison (laughs) of imbalance.
1: Is that better that we've been sentenced to thirty years of this? I just don't think it's like it's, and that's fine that you feel that. I just don't feel at this point it's happened long enough, and it's worked out for both sides at one point in it that like. To think of this rivalry as, like, this back-and-forth type of—how Auburn and Alabama were at one point. I, I Like, that's that was a thing in recent history, where, like, they went back-and-forth. This has not been a back-and-forth for so Correct. long that, like— That it sucks. I don't—I I don't know if it sucks, because, like, people—you like still are—people are just as intense about it. it, even if, even if they don't—even if you can pick the winner— blindfolded it's still just as intense as it as it is i don't back know that forth. that's true i i think it has lost at least a little bit i don't think it's a, i think okay if it's lost anything that's more just because of the day we live in more than it is because like there's no back and forth let me ask you this and then we'll get off the semantics discussion do
3: you think there would be greater energy and interest and passion in the rivalry if the last 10 years it was five and five
1: I don't know. I'm gonna go no. Okay. I definitely
2: think I, yes. I think 100 <laughs> percent yes.
1: I think no. I think even. I think there would be
2: even more interest in Saturday's game if Michigan had. As you said, I think earlier today when we were talking, made a catch in the end zone against Penn State and found a way to win that game.
1: Okay, but that's not five and five. That's no just just two teams about- who are in a position where if they win this game, they're solidifying themselves in a spot for the college football playoff. Right,
2: but I mean that alone—that's that it—that exemplifies kind of the separation between these programs right
1: now. And that's but like to say that like oh, regardless of what their actual records are, if this had been split the last ten years, it would be as intensive as it would if like they both were just really good top ten teams and one just beat the was just beating the other i think that's virtually the same thing remember you're an athlete okay remember how when you would
3: lose to a team and then you played that team again you would really want to beat them yeah yeah ohio state hasn't felt that way for 16 years
1: but you know what they have felt in some of these games that they've ruined michigan's season okay we're going to change the subject I understand what
3: you're saying. Yeah, because I'm right. Of course, I just you don't agree with things. it. This <laughs> is how a normal human brain thinks. I just don't agree with it. That's not true. I just don't agree with the premise. Okay, let's go on to um, the idea of this from the 813. And we have to put a percentage on this because I want to put it in the headline. The percentage chance that Michigan beats Ohio State. Like, that's where we're starting with this. We used to do this thing in the off season where we'd say, Oh, the percent chance that, that X team, and we'd go through the whole schedule. It's just made up. But like in your head right now, what's the percentage chance that Michigan can win this game Saturday?
2: Um I don't know how exactly I want to formulate that. I mean I high
3: thirties? That's that's see, what we're looking for is a number.
2: <laughs> thirty
3: nine. Thirty nine. That was my that was my number when I played football. Thirty I'm gonna go thirty one percent
1: a lot of that is cuz it's at home.
3: So you guys, do you both feel before I answer cuz I have my number. I find this with you guys sometimes. I think I think I think I know how you're thinking, but then when you express what you're thinking, it's not what I thought you were going to think. How much better chance do you think Michigan has than you thought Penn State had? Do you just feel like you guys both kind of really thought that Ohio State wasn't Really in danger of losing to Penn State, like do you feel like? Oh no, Michigan has a much better chance of winning than Penn State did.
1: Yeah, I I think that way, and like like I said, some of it's because they're at home. Uh, Some of it is is, like this is a game that you do spend a a little bit of time every day preparing yourself for. I think that first quarter will be interesting to see how Don Brown like has kind of schemed defensively for Ryan Day this year after pretty much like. You know, getting slapped in the face all last year. So yeah, like the, the, there are some element elements here that Michigan has in its favor that Penn State didn't have. I mean, some of these are very nebulous questions. Like it's
2: the, what, what this the percentages whole podcast is nebulous. I understand, but like sometimes you 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 seem to take offense to like the numbers that we put on things. But like everyone has a different scale. We're not all dealing from the same scale. I guess I would say it like. Okay, Ohio State's minus nine right now. I could totally be comfortable taking Ohio State minus nine and saying I think this is going to be the toughest game Ohio State's played so far will be tougher, deeper into the game
3: even than the Penn State game. My number is 30. And I thought, you know, like a 30% chance that Michigan could win. That's a, that's pretty high. Because yeah. I think this is going to be close. And I think there's a lot of things in play of of that will make this difficult for Ohio State. Um So I'm just surprised that my number is the lowest of the three because, like Nathan, you really think that if they play this game 10 times, Michigan would win it four times? No, less than four times. That's why I said 39 times. So 3.9 times. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, We want to get into this... A kind of the why of this, because I think, I think what we're all expressing, and you guys are expressing 1% higher and 9% higher than me, is what we're getting a lot from the Texters, which is like, uh, people are kind of wondering about this game a little bit. From the 614, I can't tell which Michigan team is real, the one who got embarrassed by Wisconsin, or the one that has smoked each of its past four opponents. I think it's definitely the one who has smoked yes. their past yeah. four opponents. That's I, I think they right found now.
2: something. I think it's okay to have recency bias when you're talking about the performance that you see in front of your eyes. So it's not just it's not just score, and it's not just um, other other things that are maybe a little bit less tangible. But when you can actually look and see the yardage that they're getting, the the way they're playing, the efficiency with which they do it, it's okay to have. To, to say that the last four or five X number of games mean more. More than one. I, I One can be a one-off. But when it started to become a trend, like what you've basically been seeing from Michigan since halftime of that Penn State game, I think you can start to say it, it, it really is a trend. And... It, it means something. It means something in, in where this team is right now. I think that's what I was saying before. I think if you played this game in week three or week four, it might have been a complete blowout in favor of Ohio State, even in Ann Arbor, because that Ohio State seemed to just kind of get it earlier this year, even with all the changes it made on its coaching staff relative to what Michigan was doing, which seemed to really take a while to come around from an offensive standpoint. But that seems to have really clicked in.
3: You know what Michigan has had? Michigan has had the season that I thought Ohio State was going to have.
2: Yeah, I like it, really, like it took gonna, some they, time. They could, they could like, very well be nine and three, right after. Yeah, home. They like, are. like that's that's <laughs> what know, it was. Right. I was right. they in the year that you, you, the you the wrong team, team, was going to have. I just kind of.
3: applied it. I mean, really, because I do think, and we, I made an analogy earlier uh, a couple weeks ago on this podcast that maybe Jim Harbaugh accidentally hired a guy who brings the grocery carts back to the grocery store when he thought he was hiring Josh Gaddis. Now you see it. Now you can see they look like a team that has a plan, and I hate the word identity, but you know what Michigan wants to do. And I was talking earlier today, and I can never remember if it was on a video or not, but I they remind me offensively a little bit of what the Browns do, and that Shea Patterson is like Baker, like light, 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 like not as an NFL prospect, but in terms of like they run a lot of RPOs. He's a threat to run a little bit. He's a little bit wiggly. Um, he can escape and do some stuff. It, it feels like they have a plan. And if there was a push and pull early on between Harbaugh and Gattis and the old and the new, I think the new one. And I think Gattis is getting to do what he wants to do, which is what Jim Harbaugh brought him here to do. And I don't know. I think I think Michigan has a couple dudes. Don't they look like a team that can do some stuff?
1: Yeah, and with and, yeah, like it, it's. I don't like. He didn't say it this week. He said it last week it was pissed I think this is another. Lightweight talent equated game, especially when you're looking at just the starters, and especially in that wide receiver court. I think there's some, like, some guys who can test the cornerbacks in a way that Ohio State just hasn't been tested, even with Penn State. Like a lot of that was tight ends more than anything else because KJ Ham- Hamler just wasn't himself.
2: I, Here's the other thing to keep in mind about these two teams' convergent seasons, or I don't know, maybe that's not the right word. Michigan had to go at Wisconsin, had to go at Penn State. Ohio State has not had to go play teams like that on
3: the road this season. Mm-hmm. You've been very big on that. I think it's you. You do that a lot in your voting. You're, like, you're very aware yeah. of road stuff because, yeah. and that's a thing that a lot of people do. Is like you really value when you go away from home. That's when you really find out about somebody. Well, and I think we, just because we've
2: also in, in relative to Ohio State, and I've been voting on Ohio State number one, and I do think they belong number one in in polls and such. But that is the one thing that we have not seen them do. They have one win on the road against a team that is any good at all. And that was Indiana, which isn't that good of a team. Northwestern,
3: Rutgers, Nebraska all stink. Yes. And now they're going to go to a place where a good team is at home. And and here's the thing that I think is the key difference of this week. It's not that and someone pointed this out to me. And I think it was on the broadcast, uh, one of the broadcasts I was watching when I was re stuff. I don't think it's that Ohio State is on the road I think it's that Michigan is at home. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that it's not that like oh no, Ohio State can't go to a tough and road, road environment and win. Of course they can. But Michigan is a different team at home. And I think although but the note I think the note was on the broadcast that until they beat Michigan State, I think under Harbaugh Harbaugh was like 39 and 0 at home against everybody except Ohio State, and Michigan State and 0 and 4 against Ohio State, and Michigan State. So, like, they're good at home, but they couldn't beat the rivals at home. They finally beat Michigan State in Michigan. And, again, for as good as they are at home, they haven't beaten Ohio State at home. But, you know. But I also, I mean, that's these are two different teams. I kind of try to look
2: at each season – unto itself, especially considering how many changes have gone on between these two programs in the last 365 days.
3: And the last time they were there, and Ryan Day referenced it today, because it was Ryan Day's first Michigan game, it was the game when JT Barrett got whacked by a camera before the game, and Dwayne Haskins had to come in in the second half and bail them out, and that was a game. That was absolutely a game. 2015 wasn't a game, because Michigan happened on that day to host the best team in the country that was super pissed off, because it had lost to Michigan State and they slammed it down Michigan's throat and there was nothing Michigan could do about it. It's a reminder that this game in 2016 was very close, in 2017 was very close. This was pre-Harbaugh, pre-Ryan Day, but 2013 was very close. Um, 2018, again, they just had a plan that blew them off the field. I think the one thing that we should do And see if you guys agree with this. And again, this isn't a question. We have so many to get to that maybe we'll just not get to any of them. Because I have a lot of questions myself. No, we'll get to them. I think you should throw out the 62 points last year. And I think if you are saying, well, Michigan was supposed to be good on defense last year, and look what happened. I think that was, in my 15 years covering this team, the most unique... One coach has the other coach's number situation that I've ever come across. And Ryan Day and Don Brown, having coached, against, having coached together at Boston College, when one was the defensive coordinator and one was the offensive coordinator, Ryan Day knew exactly what Don Brown was going to do. It worked against everybody else from Michigan last year, and it failed them against Ohio State. Don Brown has shifted. Don Brown has changed. Ryan Day downplayed that when we asked him about it Tuesday. I'm not sure why, other than he's not going to get up there and say, yeah, I'm friends with Don Brown, but I beat his butt pretty good last year. But he did. I don't think that's going to happen again. Like, Do you guys think that... It feels Look, like Don Brown has has changed enough that Ryan Day won't be able to have his number to the same degree.
2: Well, if you had the same Ohio State offense with the same quarterback going up against... Michigan, then I think that would maybe be more of a question. But this Ohio State offense is completely different. This Ohio State offense is a, a reliant on the run in a much more a bigger way. Not just reliant on the run, but incredibly proficient with the run. It's the engine that drives this offense, um, and especially because they have a quarterback who can run. You've got a different quarterback back there, a completely different wrinkle. I just I, I don't know how much of that is a huge narrative for this game because yeah, maybe he changed some things because of how that Ohio State game went, but he didn't change it. If he changed it to face Ohio State again, that seems kind of like folly right now because the Ohio State team you're about to play is completely different than the Ohio State team you played 365 days ago.
1: Yeah, I think the talent is different. It's like if you, uh, if the change is like in your preparing for Paris Campbell, Johnny Dixon, and Terry McLaurin all over again, then maybe, okay, yeah, then it's, it's you making the smart decision, but you're making a change. I don't like Ohio State. If Ohio State comes out with that exact same game plan again, I don't think it works. One, because like it's different. It's different personnel. Like you don't have a, a Paris Campbell guy who can take a a, a, path, a small little foot pass and go seventy yards with it. That's not on this roster anymore. And to Nathan's point, it's it's more about what J.K. Dobbins does in the run game as well. So if you're changing based off of a of a game plan and a personnel that existed last year that allowed that perfect storm to happen, well then you're going to be in trouble again.
3: I like when I figure out something in the middle of the podcast off the top of my head that I then immediately decide is a deep set belief of mine that I feel like I felt this for months and I just felt it for 11 seconds. Here's what I think. Would you guys, who would you say, which offense generally, and maybe Nathan, you can sit this one out because, you know, you're the new guy. (laughs) But Stephen, having watched both firsthand, just... And you don't know where I'm going with this, so be completely honest. I did not write down the answer, so you can't look down and see what I wrote. Which offense is generally more dangerous, the 2018 Ohio State offense or the 2019 Ohio State offense? I think this... Now, if you don't answer it the right way, it's going to ruin my whole point, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Feel free to say whatever you think, but I really hope you say what I hope you say. I think it's this year? Correct.
1: Correct. And it's, why it's more versatile for Correct. One. like, I've, like, yeah, like, I, like last year was literally the perfect storm of you've got a, a first round NFL draft pick at quarterback and a bunch of speed going against, uh, going against press man. That's a recipe for disaster this year. What Justin Fields can do with his legs and with his arms combined with what J.K. Dobbins has done in the run game. Although, yeah, this, uh, this wide receiver core might not be as talented as last year's, but Chris Olave still pro- provides a deep threat, ball, a deep ball for you. Like, there's just more ways to attack a defense than just, we're just going to use Dwayne Haskins' arm 50
3: times a game. All right, and you said part of the point that I want to make. I agree with you. I think most people would agree this offense is more versatile, Mm. run pass, a dual threat quarterback, therefore this offense is more dangerous. The 2018 Ohio State offense was perfectly designed to beat that Michigan defense. That passing game with that quarterback, those receivers, and that offensive coordinator against that defense was a nightmare matchup for Michigan. So... While this Ohio State offense is actually more versatile, deeper yeah. broader, I actually think last year was tougher for Michigan to defend because of the specific things that were in place so that's why I think eleven weeks out of the year you'd take this Ohio State offense I think maybe against the way maybe against Michigan you'd take that passing offense because they didn't have a hope they didn't have a prayer of defending anything Ohio State did, which is why again it's my final point of. Don't get caught up on the 62 of last year because so much is different. While you would take this offense, I think this offense is less inclined to blow Michigan off the map the way last year's Ohio State team did. I thought of that two minutes ago, and I'll put it on my gravestone. Save it for the pot. Oh, wait. Don't you do you find do you ever say that in real life now? Like just like to your fiance? No, no, to your roommates. Save it for the podcast. Just to us, I mean, it's 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 one of our catchphrases. I yell it at my children every now and then. (laughs) 262.
2: Do y'all save it for the podcast at your kids?
3: Yeah, yeah. I don't believe in saying anything interesting that might not turn into money. Hey, dad, can you help me with my homework? Save it for the podcast. Yeah, if you if there might not be a candy crush ad at the end of that sentence, I don't want you to say (laughs) it. Although there's still no ads on this thing. If you hear an ad, clap your hands. Pod question from the 262. Do you think Ryan Day gets it? Quotes. When it comes to the Michigan game, Red X for the M.
2: Well, okay, so it's interesting because we have a video up about this a little bit at Cleveland.com. Just kind of talking about the vibe um, of today and Michigan week. And obviously this is my first time being in Columbus experiencing this. First hand my fiance was um, she works in the arena district and sent me a photo from she was at a Chipotle So not on campus not any known affiliation directly with Ohio State And they had all the M's X'd out at this Chipotle up on the the um, What do you want to say the the board the menu board? Um, But yet, I don't know if I it's been quite as apparent or in my face as I expected it to be and the way you guys have talked about it is that it isn't as in your face. It wasn't the music blaring when we walked in. They didn't have the M's crossed off on the Woody Hayes plaque outside of the the um, complex today. I do wonder though. So you, it was interesting because you brought up in that video um, that you thought it was about 20% less, and I'm wondering if the 20% that's less might be just some of those cosmetic outer layer in your face to everybody else things. And then that other 80% is still really intense within the program. And then maybe that other 20% doesn't matter. And you're almost, you're almost cutting away some things that could be a distraction more than they are
1: an enhancement for your motivation that week. I think it shows a little bit of their personalities of Urban Meyer and Ryan Dayoff. Yeah, one of like like a lot, early on, a lot of the questions were, "Hey, what's some of the differences Ryan Day is doing that Urban didn't?" And the players, a lot of times, would say it's a little more laid back. Now, obviously, this is football, so there's still a hard edge to it. But Urban Meyer was you know, militaristic. Sometimes he's in your face. He's you know, to the, you know, he's, he's a bit of, he can be a stickler, especially as a football coach. He's a little more old school, and the way he approached the Michigan game was exactly like that. Time for war is on a loop the entire day. We're gonna beat it into your head. We do not like Michigan. The Woody Hayes sign is gonna have the M's crossed out in red. Everything every M is gonna be crossed out in red. We're gonna this is what we're gonna do. With Ryan Day, obviously it's the same message, but it's not as, you know, hardcore and edgy and to the point, but like he's still getting his message across.
2: College football is an interesting mix between sometimes between what's sort of like high school spirit week gimmicky stuff and then professional football and there's sort of a collision there sometimes and i think ryan day prof- his, yeah. big, his big thing is professionalism he wants his program acting like professionals yes there's still young men this is yes the there still guy. has to be some of that college tradition and they've kept a lot of those college traditions but i think he has erred on the side of the more professional side of things than the more um i'm really trying hard not to use a, any kind of I'm not trying to be derogatory in any way, so I'm not. I, it's not childishness. It's not, but it's like just that. You know what I'm trying to say, though. I say it's to say it's I think gimmicky was the right word. And I, think I don't mean Pittsburgh, that derisively.
1: I think it's Pittsburgh Cleveland a little bit. We're like the people in Cleveland aren't like xing out peas around town whenever Pitt, the Steelers and the Browns play and that each stuff other is, and that stuff still though is for the fans more right. than it's for the but team. Like, like, like they're not doing that in a practice facility around in Berea uh, all week but like everybody knows that the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers are rivals the Re- Ryan Day's closest comparison is the Red
3: Sox and the Yankees and he grew up in New England so he hated the Yankees but he still said their name and yeah. they, they also played 19 times a year it was a different intensity that gets magnified on this one game do you think Ohio State and Michigan should play 19 times a year? Yeah, I think the whole yes. I think
2: the whole schedule should just be Ohio just State Michigan two yes. team
3: conference. Yes,
2: and then not even participate. Then no no no. no. You'll sprinkle in a little Penn State in a couple even, of weeks. Don't even participate in the playoffs. Just High State-Michigan. That's your national And then whoever wins more of those games gets to host the
3: national championship <laughs> yeah. game of the two-team Who won nation. the national championship. <laughs> 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 and we're not... And we're not... I mean, like, and it's actually... We're just joking. Because it's not that. It's 58-20 to 20 that people want the national championship. It really is... I, I think people have a really good perspective on this. And I think we respect the idea of all the people who really value the Michigan thing. Some of the people who said they value the Michigan thing, we'll start running through some, are just scarred from the Cooper years. And they just like... It's Something was taken away from them for so long that, of course... I mean, it's one of those things. It's, if, if if someone said to you, do you want water or do you want pizza? Most everybody would say pizza. But if you had gone without water for 10 years at one point in your life, you might be like, I'll take the water!
1: So are you saying that my roommate is going to like blow up our apartment if Michigan wins this game on Saturday? He's a Michigan fan.
3: I mean... Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. they're they're going to be crawling out of the desert. Like you said, there are people, and I think, and again, you're talking about the people like your generation as Ohio State fans who have never felt like this. Because you could, you could just, and, and I don't want to speak for Ohio State fans, but I covered it and it was just different. I think in 2011 you could just shake it off. Well, that was oh, yeah. a crappy end to a crappy year. Let's go to the Gator Bowl. Like you just shook it off. And it didn't take anything away from Ohio State. It's almost like, oh, great, yeah, you beat us when we sucked. Our whole team got suspended. Congratulations for beating us because DeVere Posey was six inches short of the game-winning touchdown catch. But to really – and even like – and in 03, the last time Michigan beat a good Ohio State team, you know, Ohio State's coming off the national championship. It wasn't quite like 69 and 68, but it's Mm. like, well – Congratulations, you beat us. We're still shining our rings from last year. Not that it didn't hurt. But but part of what the game and the rivalry can signify is the health of each program. And that's part of it, too. If the rivalry reflects our program is now healthier than yours. That's something, too. And Ohio State was so good in the Cooper years, but on some level, I think that... 2-10-1 210 and 1 reflected that, hey, we're Michigan. You might have all this great talent from around the country, but you can't win when it matters. Congratulations on winning 10 or 11 meaningless games, but when it's big boy time at the end of the year, you fall short. Maybe you have a better record than us some years. Maybe you're ranked higher in October. Who cares? When the chips are down, Michigan knows how to win and you don't. So that, the, the day, that Saturday on the last weekend in November, becomes the reflection of your program for the entire year. In 2011, it wasn't the reflection because it was a weird year for Ohio State. Urban Meyer came in and flipped it immediately, and that was it. But but I still think you're talking
2: about, I understand what you're saying, but I think what you're saying still really only applies in the long term as well. Like it's what you were saying before. It's more about a trend in the rivalry than it is any one year. Like this one year, if Ohio State goes up to a Michigan team that is playing its best football of the season, that is really talented in potentially really crappy weather in their stadium, and loses by a point, that's not some kind of referendum on how how much Ryan Day cares about this rivalry. And
3: I agree. And I agree. But I will say, if that happens next year. As our two storylines are yeah. Ohio State right. needs to get revenge and here comes Harbaugh. Is this the rise of Michigan? He beat him once last year. Now does this is this a blip or is it a trend?
2: Well, but again, this is where things are a little bit more sophisticated now though, because in this scenario we're talking about if if Ohio State loses this game Saturday by a point, still makes a college football playoff, still wins it. So you still win a national championship, and then Michigan loses. Michigan is Seven and or eight and three going into the Ohio State game next year. I don't know if this. I don't know if it's still the same um, narrative as to here comes Harbaugh because I think. It, it's still it's it's, okay. it's 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 he he still hasn't elevated the whole
3: program to the same level that Ohio State is. What were you going to say? No, I still think it is because he still beat Ohio State. And, but the thing is, he hasn't been 8-3 going into the Ohio State game. The whole point is that they are, as much as we have had discussions on this program about Ohio State's the only team in the North that can do this, is Michigan just as a tier below Ohio State forever? Or are we holding Harbaugh to the wrong standard? In 2016, they were right there. The winner of that game goes to the playoff. Last year, Michigan was favored. Coming. They actually have been right there. And if Jim Harbaugh would have won two of these five instead of zero of these five, everything about his tenure would be different. That's true. Yeah. So they actually now for you to you know to say, well, if they're eight and three and they beat Ohio State, they're still not at Ohio State's level. Okay, but that's not what it is. Well, they are that, almost at Ohio State's level. All they're missing is beating Ohio State. Well, but then I think
2: but I think that narrative comes into play more if they're eight and three and then beat Ohio State for the second year in a row. Then it becomes more interesting to me. I, I'm just I'm 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 I just
3: dismiss things that are just a one-off thing. I, I want to see the trend as we were talking about before. But again, every trend starts with one, so we can't have a trend in the rivalry. Harbaugh, I, I, here's what I would agree with: you're saying Harbaugh's not back just because he beat Ohio State once. Correct. But at, if Har- at home, especially. But if Harbaugh beats Ohio State a couple times, then Harbaugh might be back, right? He's got to beat them once first right. for yeah. any of that yeah. to happen. Yeah. So like that, I think at the moment. I think the idea at the moment, the idea that Michigan is as good as Ohio State or that Jim Harbaugh is back is just not on the table. If he beats Ohio State once, then it's back, then it's on the table. He's not there, but it becomes a possibility because he's at least done it once. All right. Um, let's see. I'm going to run through some of the answers to this. Um, This is a long one. So they want to know, does Michigan have a better overall chance from the 3-3-0 than Penn State did? What has Michigan done over the last few games to turn it around? And will Don Brown's defense do, it, do its usual thing where they are good all year and collapse against Ohio State? But he also says, I value a national championship because I'm not 76 years old. Mm-hmm. Michigan has basically never been good in my lifetime. I'm 22. So frankly, I view Penn State as more of a legitimate rival Because I've seen them actually do it. Anyone claiming they value beating Michigan more is a boomer who's stuck in the era of college football when Nebraska and Notre Dame were powerhouses. The ultimate goal is a national championship. If it meant an Alabama-esque run, I'd take losing to Michigan every one or two years. Um, As long as at the end of the day, Ohio State's holding up that trophy and has national championship bragging rights. That was beautiful. That is a, and actually, I don't even know. Can we look that up? I don't know what the Alabama, Auburn rivalry is in the last fifteen years. I guarantee you, it's not as lopsided as Ohio State, Michigan. No, but Alabama is the best team in the country. That's actually like a great way of framing this, yeah. Because nationally, and I bet even in Alabama, it's like Alabama clearly has an edge on Auburn, but nobody says to Alabama, "Well, how come you haven't beaten them seven years in a row?" Like Urban Meyer's right, beaten
2: Michigan. Right. Alabama or, has
1: the one-game winning streak. And I, think to, I think if you were to, I think you would just ask
2: casual football fans, casual college football fans around the country, might be surprised to know that it's been seven in a row and fourteen or fifteen or whatever that Ohio State's beaten Michigan, just because here it's a huge um, storyline. But I think around the country, it's more just people know the rivalry. I don't know if
3: they know exactly how lopsided it's. Been. And that's what a lot of people are making a good point about. And I just we are just not going to be able to get to everybody's good individual point. But rest assured that I have read these. That's a part of it. One's local, one's national. And another point that someone said is, someone said, I hate the SEC more than I hate Michigan. So, like, I want Ohio State to get out in the world and take on Bama and Clemson's not the SEC, but LSU and all these other people. And you know what? If we've got a couple Michigan losses trailing behind us, fine. Let's go out in the world and show that we're as good as anybody. It is a, that is a very interesting way of thinking about it because, again, part of what drove the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry at its heyday was because, and Nathan, you're writing these stories about 1969 that are going to be up Wednesday morning at Cleveland.com. In 1969, <laughs> Ohio State couldn't go to the Rose Bowl even if they had won because right. you weren't allowed to go to the Rose Bowl consecutive years, you, and that was the only bowl game you could go to. It was your—there nat- was a time when Ohio State-Michigan was basically the same as a national championship. It,
2: exactly. And it was, there was a finality to this rivalry for decades that just doesn't exist now. And I'm going to have something on Cleveland.com in the morning, Wednesday morning, for those of you listening
3: to this before that. Will it be up before that? We are going to get this baby up Tuesday night okay. because the people want it. You also are allowed to listen to it during Thanksgiving dinner.
2: Yes, I would actually recommend that. It'd be great background music. Um, anyway, whenever you listen to it, it'll be on it'll be on Cleveland.com. And um, kind of just posing the question, like, does the playoff era that we're in now diminish this game's importance at all? Because, as we talked about before, Ohio State could, in theory, go out, lose, still win a national championship. Because it used to be, like, 69's the best example. Like, it, once they knew they weren't going to the Rose Bowl already. They knew that. It was their last game. It was their last game. There was no other bowl game for them to go to, although I did read one source where they supposedly had been talking about going to play the Cotton Bowl against Texas. I don't remember what it was, but it was going to be their last game. So all they had to do, if they win that game... As dominant as that team had been, they weren't falling out of number one. And there were some other undefeated teams, I think, that year. But Ohio State was going to be the national champion. So there was a finality to that game. And there is typically a finality every year for that game. Where now you have the Big Ten championship game. And then a playoff potentially after that. There's just not the same finality necessarily to this rivalry. However, the counterbalance to that is Michigan or Ohio State, whichever one is playing the team that would be number one in that scenario, can play spoiler Potentially in a way that it used to not be able to also.
3: Right. It's kind of like... I'm, I'm going to say how many analogies I can do. It's kind of like if you just grew up loving Rocky Road ice cream. Because there was only like six flavors. It was vanilla and chocolate and strawberry. And then there was Rocky Road, which had some stuff in it. Maybe almonds. Are there almonds in Rocky Road?
2: Um, there's some kind of disgusting nut in Rocky Road. Do you th- do you hate all nuts? I there's don't hate some... all nuts. I love peanuts. I don't like almonds and pecans.
3: There's some kind of what is it, What if it's a peanut?
1: Is it a peanut in Rocky Road? No, it's <laughs> doubt It's a peanut in Rocky Road. Is it a
3: peanut in Rocky Road?
1: I doubt it's a peanut in Rocky Road. Is it a peanut
3: in Rocky Road? Some kind of disgusting nut. That's the kind of thing. If we had a producer, they would pull that out and they'd drop that in at various times in the podcast. Some kind of disgusting nut. But if you grew up eating Rocky Road, and now it's like if someone says, do you want to go out for Thai rolled ice cream? Right? You guys have had the rolled ice cream? I haven't. There's one right up here on High Street. I've walked by it a bunch of times. I haven't gone in. You've had rolled ice cream? No. It's like from... I don't know. uh, But it's another one of these kind of things where you take ice cream, and they smush it up, and they flatten it out, and then they roll it up like it's a a candy cane. Uh, Yeah, like a burrito. uh It's in a stick. One time when they opened the one near your house, my kids wanted to go... um, have the tie rolled ice cream. And then we went, we went out of our way, we went to have the tie rolled ice cream. It cost eight bucks for ice cream and a stick. I don't know. And then like my daughter said something um, on the way home and it set me off. And I went on a rant about ungratefulness that we just went to get tie rolled ice cream. I only yell at my kids. You'll be I'll be curious to see what happens for you, gentlemen. I'm the parent in the family that like yells at my kids like twice a year, but when I do it, like the world stops and then everybody's like, I "Remember that time dad yelled at us?" And my wife is just like generally during the course of the day is like telling them to stay on top of their crap mm-hmm. so they can function as human beings. So she yells more than me, but they they react, but I get in trouble. They get mad when I yell because it's so infrequent. And All I know mean, right. that surprises you guys. You, you're not screaming at your children every week? It, yeah, no, the, the infrequency of it surprises me. Yeah. So that's the thing. So tie-rolled ice cream, that's like a special thing. Now, I wouldn't have yelled at them about Rocky Road with some disgusting nut in it, but my point is this. If you grew up liking Rocky Road ice cream for 50 years, and that's all they had, and someone said, well, let's go get tie-rolled ice cream. And you'd be like, I just, I just want Rocky Road. I don't want this whole fancy new thing that they never had right. when I was a kid. Look I'm happy it's, with Rocky Road, it's, and if it's like, it happens, Rocky Road, that's great.
2: It's like people that are um, very like traditionalist when it comes to pizza.
0: Like some pizza should just, for be, instance,
2: pizza should just be marinara sauce and cheese and meat and maybe some very specific vegetables. <laughs> it should I am not be. So sick of pizza. It should not be barbecue chicken pizza or any of the other like you know white sauce pizza or whatever. Like they don't want any kind of
3: frills. It should just be. It should just be basic pizza. I was watching a TV show the other night, and the joke on the show was that the guy, his wife said, remember, like they were talking about his dumb ideas, and she said, remember when you were going to open that pizza restaurant that was all crust? And I almost was going to video it and send it to Steven (laughs) and be like, you could go eat here. It's the only crust pizza restaurant. (laughs) Agree or disagree from the six (laughs) one six? That, that Wait, definitely, did we answer a question that? broke the yeah. sixth
1: minute.
3: I don't even remember what it was. was we went with was ice cream injury. to pizza. It's like if you had a bike, <laughs> and someone said, do you
2: want a turbo rocket boost?" That question started in Columbus and ended in NR. I don't even know what
3: the question was. It's like if you had a plain white t-shirt, and someone said, do you want a fancy sweater? Well I Agree or disagree, I think this game is going to be close and hard fought. The weather is going to suck, tickets are going to be cheap because of the weather. I think Ohio State gets another early lead and goes conservative to preserve the win. Day channels his urban trestle head coach side again. That's from our man Drizzy Get Busy in the six one six. Like, does that scenario look good to you? Seem possible to you? And I'll expand it because this has been a question that other people have asked. After the game, we got a lot of, like, sort of uncertain questions about Ray, Ryan Day being conservative at the end of that game. Do you think like that is what he might trend toward in a tight game? If we're playing a good team and we get a lead, run the ball, shut it down, lean on the defense? Was that a one-time thing because they'd fumbled a little bit and they were in the rain against Penn State? Do you think it's going to be close and hard fought, and how do you think he'll react with a a lead in a tight second-half game?
1: I think it was a combination of all those factors. You fumbled it a couple of times. The weather was already bad. And I think he said this. It was like, at that point, we just want to get up out of here with a win. So, like, that's what – like, if the weather is bad enough and, like, there's still, like, you know – not taking care of the ball. Maybe Justin takes one or two sacks where, like, you don't really want your quarterback taking that type of sack. And, yeah, I can see them getting conservative again with it. And J.K. showed that you can give him the ball 30 times and he's going to be, you know, effective with it. So that option is on the table if all of those factors show their head again. Yeah, sometimes conservative is just another word for prudent.
2: And I think, you know, again, going back to Ryan Day and sort of his professional approach to this game, you know, what do NFL teams do when they're up, whatever to whatever, in the second half, you know, up by 8, 10, 12 points? They don't go out there and run spread options, you know, spread, uh, spread offenses and throw the ball around. They, start, they go to their two or three running back by committee, whatever they have now in the NFL, and grind out yards and use their defense and, and, and salt games away that way. And I thought that was a really smart way to approach the Penn State game. And I absolutely think that's what we'll see again on Saturday.
3: I, I do think it was partially weather related and i think any time a team turns it over coaches get freaked out and and if they if they if they if ohio state has played like a really clean game then i think up you know if they're up if they're up 17 10 in, in the second half against Michigan, but they've played a clean game, and just Michigan's played some good defense, so they haven't run up and down the field, but it's been clean. It's been, I think he, I think he would be willing to keep pushing. Well, and there. you need another
2: score there to, to be comfortable anyway true I'm just talking about I'm talking about probably a larger margin than that, more like what you saw on Saturday, 10, 11, 12 points.
1: I think it forced his hand, and I think like, he I kind of ended his statement saying that like as an offensive guy, I don't like doing that, but his hand got forced. Well,
2: I just thought that was a really smart... That says a lot, I think, about Ryan Day. Because there are a lot of coaches who come with an offensive background who don't figure that out until they make a mistake in that situation.
3: I thought he handled that situation the most prudent way. And I I do think there are people... When people get worried about this stuff, and I can't remember the specifics because I have a terrible memory, but like... Whatever the Falcons did against the Patriots, when they got out to a big lead and they couldn't hold on to it, and I think maybe people thought they stopped going for killer instinct stuff, right, yeah. and the Patriots came back. Or when you see coaches who are afraid to go for it on fourth down when they should. because like, I, I don't think Ryan Day is going to be conservative like in that way. I think that he's not going to be afraid to go for it on fourth down when the situations are right. I think he's not going to be afraid to throw... You know, if it's third and five and they're up eight with five minutes left, I don't think he would be, like, afraid to throw the ball there because he thinks, well, we're just going to run it and punt and take our chances. I think, You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that kind of conservative. There is a certain kind of conservative, like, almost like dumb old coach. Like, Jason Garrett kicking the field goal against the Patriots on Sunday yeah. for the Cowboys. Down seven, fourth down at the 11-yard line. And they kick a field goal to cut it to four, and then they never get marched down the field yeah. again. That wasn't conservative, but that's, that's like, well, it's conservative in a stupid way, that you're afraid of a risk at the right moment. I don't ever think Ryan Day will be afraid of the right risk at the right moment. There just was no need to take any risks at all up two scores against Penn State in that situation. And I think when people are nervous about conservative, what you really are nervous about is dumb conservative, and I would say don't be worried about
1: it. That's that. the key. But the key word you keep using there is afraid. Like, there's a fine line between conservative and, and playing scared, and he walked it on Penn He walked it. I don't, Penn State. He walked that fine line between being a, yeah. playing conservative versus playing scared. And when you play scared, you do dumb stuff. Again, sometimes conservative, when people talk about conservative, what they
2: really mean is too conservative. Right, or prematurely conservative. But when it's the fourth quarter of a game, you're up by 12,
3: it's not conservative anymore. It's just smart football. And I guarantee you, and again, I think the stats were, once they got up, I think they ran it 19 times and threw it four at the end. I had that stat in my story. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you if, like, Justin Fields had thrown it and thrown a pick, people would have said, why is Justin Fields throwing the ball in the rain up
2: two scores? Yeah, a lot of this is, is criticism based on things that, never happened yeah, yeah, exactly. it's,
3: it's, it's, you'll get used to this and, and Steven you're still getting used to it I'm very accustomed to it here at Ohio State it's something called criticism after winning like <laughs> you won but I didn't love how you won because there's right. nothing <laughs> else to talk
1: about it's so it's like <laughs>
2: critstery
1: yeah and it's fine you got an A but you got a 96 when you could yeah. got a 100 it's 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 what happens in
3: boring awesome land which is what we are happening right now one of the rides in boring awesome land is the why you did why didn't you win by more coaster and if you only win by 11 you can feel trapped on that coaster maybe not trapped maybe like you're in prison on that coaster um
2: well and also because from a fan standpoint no, that's, that's trapped a certain that's percentage a, of, of yeah. a certain percentage of every fan base the answer to why didn't you win by more can't be because your team wasn't more better than the other team as you thought it was.
1: It was just a little bit better. I think that's like what fandom is like based in. And, and I think we're this no, good, I think, there's, there's I think we're this who... much better than you, and if we're not this much better than you we fail. And here's the thing that, that is the correct way to view a
3: team like Ohio State, and it's what we've always tried to do at Cleveland.com. They win so much, it's not about the win. It's about what the win tells you about their ability to get the next win or to get a win when it matters. So I 100% get where people are coming from and we're not making fun of anybody who's worried about that. You love your team and you're you're on the lookout for any flaw and what you were worried about is he shut it down in the second half against Penn State it did not cost us in that game will it cost us down the line and I think all of us agree that the way he shut it down there, no, no. It's not something to be worried about. Oh, no, is Ohio State going to lose to Michigan because they got too conservative in the second half?
2: Well, let's not also forget, the other factor in this all is, he's saying the conservative offense, a conservative offense, but your defense is not being conservative. Your defense is that he's turning the game over to is just as good and just as aggressive as it was really from the beginning of the game. And that's the other factor to remember here. It's not just that he's backing off sometimes taking his foot off the gas a little bit in these situations offensively he's putting a lot
3: of trust in what is the best defense in the country quick break we'll be right back on buckeye talk joined now on buckeye talk by teddy greenstein the excellent and veteran big 10 writer for the chicago tribune teddy how many years has it been now that you've been chronicling this league
0: it's been a while doug um if you want to go back to the Northwestern days, then we're talking early 90s, and I'm going to sound like I'm 400 years old. At the Tribune, I was covering baseball for a while and then really got back on Big Ten football in 2004. I've missed very few uh, Ohio State-Michigan games since '04. I'm proud to say.
3: Very nice. Well, back in the days in college, Teddy was uh, a man about campus a uh, tremendous asset at the uh, Daily Northwestern, and I was just uh, some schlub trying to get a degree. So uh, now here we are. Um, <laughs> Teddy, The you, you talk about the fact, and I've been covering this game since 2005, we, you were here in Columbus for Ohio State-Penn State on Saturday. Yeah. When you look at this Ohio State team, and I'm always so interested in this because those of us who are here every minute of every day, sometimes we lose the context a little bit. How good is this Ohio State team in your eyes compared to the Ohio State teams that that you've covered in your years at the Tribune?
0: You know, this Ohio State team, to me, this is like an all-star team. You know, this is like when you gather the best players uh, from from the league or, you know, some of the best Ohio State talent of all time because it's just – incredibly hard to find a weakness I, I mean like if you look at other great teams you know you talk about LSU and you say oh I don't know about that defense that defense has given up you know hundreds of yards to uh inferior opponents you talk about Clemson and you say well they almost lost uh, you know North Carolina and who have they beaten and then you get to Ohio State and it's like huh well uh, unless they lose three fumbles in a game <laughs> they haven't been close to to losing I mean after what they did to Northwestern and Evanston, Pat Fitzgerald was saying, best team I've seen in 14 years. And there's been absolutely no drop off. And you talk about a team that throws it well, runs it well, plays great defense, is super strong on special teams. Um, it's amazing. I mean, I remember in that Wisconsin game, it's like, okay, it's a, it's a kind of a wet, cold day and they're still getting, I think, like a 47 or 49 yard field goal on top of everything else. So. It is a flawless team, and I think Ryan Day said it pretty well. He he got their attention uh, because obviously there was, there were a few moments in that Penn State game where uh, you know there was actually concern that uh, it was at least going to go down to the down to the wire.
3: Teddy, I've always been fascinated by this uh, over the years as we've covered the Big Ten, and I'm going to bounce back and forth with some topics with you on this. Yeah. The strength of the conference overall, when I first got here and you first got into the league and Jim Trestle starting in 05 ran off six straight Big Ten titles, but it certainly felt like at that time, like, man, like, that's great, but how good really is the Big Ten? What's, how would you characterize how good the Big Ten is right now in your mind?
0: Well, the the 06 season was fascinating. Obviously, you know, you got your one versus two Ohio State-Michigan game, and that was peak Big Ten. Um, that was the moment where you know Michigan loses forty-two to thirty-nine and a lot of people are screaming for, oh, let's have a rematch in the in the national title game. And that really seemed viable. Uh instead, Florida gets in. I'm there, you're there when uh Teddy runs back uh the opening kickoff, and it looks like it's gonna be a romp, and it is a romp in the wrong direction, and Florida wins at 4114. And from that moment, the Big Ten has really been fighting for its reputation, because ever since that moment, a lot of people in the country, especially those who live in warm weather climates, were saying, oh, my God, the Big Ten is a bunch of frauds." How was that a one versus two game if Florida, which had a loss this year, just, you know, completely splattered Ohio State all over the place? So it's been a battle to get credibility ever since. And because, you know, of Alabama's greatness and um, Clemson and all that, I think, People just kind of assume the teams from the South are better. Um, you know, Michigan State fell on its face in the playoff. Ohio State's had some trouble other than in, in 14 when it won at all. But this year, man, things are looking great. I, I think Ohio State has everybody's respect. At the very minimum, the country views Ohio State as equal to Clemson and LSU. But I think most people who've seen a lot of the teams right now would tell you, that it's Ohio State a little ahead of LSU because of LSU's uh, suspect defense. And Clemson, who knows, because the Tigers have barely had to play anyone this year. Uh, Penn State has garnered respect. Minnesota has as well. Um, so it's it, it, there's some fascinating, you know, scenarios down the stretch. What happens if Michigan actually upsets Ohio State? Most people feel like the Buckeyes are in the playoffs either way, which would be incredible considering, you know, How many times Big Ten champions have not even made the playoffs? If a non-Big Ten champ could make it this year at Ohio State, that would uh, that would tell us. something.
3: Who is and here's the money question I've been thinking about. I can't wait to ask Teddy this. Who's the second best team in the Big Ten
0: right now? I think it's Michigan. I think, uh, you know, if you lined them up now, when I do my power ranks, it's Minnesota because Minnesota has earned it. Um, Obviously, only one loss and it was a, a quality loss there. At Iowa, I think if that game is, is five minutes longer, the Gophers are still undefeated. But in terms of who I would say at this moment, I mean, Michigan, it's it's pretty remarkable. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but obviously early season should probably should have lost the Army, got stomped by Wisconsin, unimpressive against Iowa, unimpressive against Illinois. But then something started clicking at halftime of that game at Penn State. Jim Harbaugh is full of blusters saying they're going to have their finest moment, and they have had a lot of great moments. And that Notre Dame result to me was shocking. Rushing yardage, Michigan Notre Dame, 303-47. to 47. And this is a good Notre Dame team. Maybe not a great Notre Dame team, but a good one. So something is working for Michigan. I, I thought they were, you know, susceptible to get upset or at least, uh, you know, play Indiana super tight on Saturday. Didn't happen. Michigan looked great. So right now, neutral field, Michigan's the second best team in the Big Ten.
3: Do you think, when you look at, at- – what Michigan has, and um, I think we all know this: the only two teams in the Big Ten that recruit anywhere near Ohio State's level, and they're still not on Ohio State's level, but they're at least within shouting distance, are Michigan and Penn State. So when you look at Michigan's receivers, um, when you look at some of their defensive players, they have some dudes. And sometimes Ohio State plays right. teams that you just say, "Man, I don't even know who on this other team could start for Ohio State." Right. When you look at at Michigan's skill guys, and then especially when you look at the way Shea Patterson is playing. Yeah. We've seen how good this Ohio State defense is. Does it look to you like, do you think this Michigan offense can do anything, can move the ball on this, Penn, on this Ohio State defense, excuse me?
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to say yes to that, just based on you know what we've seen these last couple of results. I, I mean, look, Michigan State is, is a completely weakened team, but I'm sure at least gave a full effort when they played against the Wolverines two weeks ago, and, and Michigan had its way. Uh, same with Indiana. I, I didn't see every play of that game since, uh, you know, since we were a little busy with the shoe, but you see the skill guys, you see guys breaking free. Uh, Hassan Haskins is is emerging. Uh, definitely some skill there with, uh, you know, with True Wilson and different guys, uh, Nico Collins, Ronnie Bell, Donovan Peoples-Jones has been a guy who I think for years we all expected big things, big things from. He's certainly skilled. And Shea Patterson, you know, it seemed like for much of the season there was this tug of war at Michigan between Josh Gaddis, the new offensive coordinator, and Jim Harbaugh. And Jim was winning that battle early. Um, you know, they'd get in these tight games, and then they would just revert to their conservatism. You know, Jim would just be doing whatever it takes to get through. But a lot is clicking for Michigan. Uh, the results are good. The offensive line is beefy and confident. And, yeah, you got to feel like they're going to be able to, to move the ball at least a little bit on the Buckeyes.
3: Where are you on Harbaugh? Has he done a great job to get this program back to winning double-digit games after Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke? Has he underachieved because he can't beat any ranked teams, especially on the road? Is he is he full of hot air? Is he a great motivational tactician? Like, where are you on this guy?
0: It's such a good question. You know, my favorite line that I've ever heard about Jim Harbaugh is from a friend of mine and he said to me, he goes, I've known Jim Harbaugh for 30 years and I feel like I don't know him. You know, he's just, he's just that zany and unpredictable. And he's been that way with me. I've been critical of him. Uh, There was one story I did um, about this this kid who ends up going to Oklahoma as an offensive lineman, Eric Swenson. Jim actually called me back for the story, even though it was unflattering to him. And it was about a kid at another program and gave me some good quotes. Uh, Since then, we haven't, exactly done much together. Um, but, you know, football-wise, I would have told you four or five years ago, absolute underachievement. I was I was sparring with Brady Quinn about this, you know, because Brady's like, yeah, well, look, look at the previous two coaches. And I say, you know what? You, you don't judge Jim Harbaugh against Rich Rodriguez and Brady Hoke. Rich Rodriguez was like the worst fit Michigan possibly could have found. And Brady Hoke, God bless him, is, is a defensive line coach. You don't judge Jim Harbaugh against the worst that Michigan has produced. You judge Jim Harbaugh against the best Michigan coaches. And that means Bo Schembechler and Lloyd Carr recently. And compared to those guys, it's been failure. You can't be a successful Michigan coach without beating Ohio State one out of every four or one out of every three years. You can't be a successful Michigan coach without winning the Big Ten or even now getting to the Big Ten title game. So it's been underachievement. But now, this season... When you, you know, not only beat, but crush your rivals in Michigan State and the Lame, then you got something. And now that's why this game is just so massively consequential. Because from the Jim Harbaugh side of things, if he goes 0-5 against Ohio State, that is another level of failure. Now, I realize Ohio State is, you know, we're in a period of, of glory here. These are great Ohio State teams. But last year, there was no reason to lose 62-39. to That was a a good Michigan team that just got embarrassed. Uh, So right now, I would have said four or five weeks ago, Jim was like a 3 out of 10. But what he's done the last few weeks, he's getting back to where he's like a 5 out of 10. But you still have to win the big games and win a Big Ten title eventually to be deemed a success there.
3: Teddy, I, I think it's such an interesting discussion when we talk about the other great teams in the Big Ten and comparing them to Ohio State? Because I know there certainly have been some people, Colin Cowherd and some others, and I, I get what they're coming from, that Ohio State is truly a national program, and, mm-hmm. and really the other schools in the Big Ten aren't that right now. And even Bo Schembechler never won a national title at Michigan. That's right. And I mean, is it possible that we are in an era and, and diving further into an era where it's just not really fair to try to judge James Franklin and Penn State or Jim Harbaugh and Michigan or anybody in the West against Ohio State because Ohio State's just on a different tier. Ohio State's in the top tier with three or four right. or five other programs, and then everybody else is fighting to be good in the Big Ten, but they're not right. really fighting to win national titles. Like, is Is there anything to that, or is that an excuse for Penn State and Michigan and anybody else who can't beat the Buckeyes?
0: Doug, I just know this. I give so much credit to Ohio State because it's not only that – look, okay, Ohio State's got a lot of recruiting advantages, right? It, it's it's the big boy in a state that recruits a lot of players. you got a great stadium, great fan base, tradition. You've got a lot of advantages. But as you know, I mean, if the wrong coaches at Ohio State or the wrong coaches at Alabama, they're not going to win. So it's not only recruiting five-star guys, it's recruiting the right five-star guys and then developing them. And and finding guys like Chris Olave, who were you know, diamonds in the rough and developing them into great players. It's getting guys like Justin Fields and, you know, quickly developing him into one of the greatest quarterbacks in the country, 33 TDs, one INT. Because guess what? Hunter Johnson had almost, you know – as much uh, as much acclaim coming out of high school, and he goes to Northwestern, and for various reasons, you know, he's done nothing productive at Northwestern. So it's one thing to identify talented guys to get them to sign, but given how they develop these guys and what they do once they're on campus, it's incredible. I mean, last year there was a moment there in that Big Ten title game in Indianapolis where it looked like Northwestern. Was maybe going to win or give him a fight. It was a one score game in the third quarter, and then Ohio State pulled away. So um, there are moments where you say, okay, these guys are gettable. Uh, You know, when you lose three fumbles like they did against Penn State, you say, oh my God, is this going to be the one fluky game where where Ohio State actually gets bit? But it doesn't happen. I I just give a ton of credit. And and to answer your question, sure. uh, You know, Michigan has to probably play a 10 out of 10 to win. And Ohio State has to play a six or seven out of ten to win. And that's because Ohio State has more talent and develops the players better. But that is a reflection of those players and the coaches. So give them all the credit in the world.
3: And I I do think it's obviously we know it's a seven-game winning streak. But really, Michigan hasn't beaten a good Ohio State team since 2003. You know, the 2011 season and that win for the Wolverines has such an asterisk on it because it was such a chaotic NCAA violations year um, for the Buckeyes, that, that that's the thing to me that if it, you, you can't have any assumption or belief that Ohio State is going to fall off. So if Michigan's going to break this streak, they've got to beat a good Ohio State team. And that's the thing that you don't know about, right? That you can't, you can't wait for Ohio State to mess up. You've got to rise up to their level, uh, in a game like this and get it done. And, and I'm curious for you, for your take on this, Teddy. What did you think? I don't know if people around the Big Ten thought, okay, Urban Meyer's gone. This is the opening. Yep. This is the opening. They're bringing in this 40-year-old guy. He's never been a head coach before. This is our chance. Did you maybe think that this was the chance for the rest of the Big Ten to catch up to Ohio State when Ryan Day was hired?
0: Well, Doug, uh, there's this poll taken by Cleveland.com. That, uh, that
3: has it. been uh, – we've gone back and wiped that from the history books. Said it. yes no
0: please don't right. well this year I was half right uh, yeah half right because Ohio State will win the Big Ten East and no I wasn't falling for it so I said Ohio State was still number one from the east but I thought Nebraska was going to take it down in the west so um you know Ryan Day being around him and, and talking to uh, people who know him really well like Pete Samuel. No, the sense was that he was going to uh, at least keep the offense fine-tuned. I think that the shocking part this year for for all of us is understanding how a defense went from, what, 60th or 70th in the country last year and giving up 50-plus to Maryland to this defense that is, you know, one of the absolute best in the country, and, and that's been incredible. Um, you know, one of the things we can talk about here if we have a couple more minutes is I was looking back at... The last four Ohio State Michigan games, the ones from the Jim Harbaugh era, and I think what they reflect so well is the edge that Ohio State has had in coaching. Right? I mean, I was looking at this. I forgot this. I mean, JT Barrett passed for thirty yards in the twenty seventeen game, and Ohio State still won because right. Dwayne Haskins was ready. And uh, you know that's coaching. It twenty. How about twenty fifteen? Zeke blasts the team the week before, and then the next week they say, okay, you're right, and, and he runs for 200-plus. And the 2015 game was in Ann Arbor, and the 2017 game was in Ann Arbor. So um, the coaching is so good. I, I mean, this year, Ohio State's at Northwestern, and Northwestern's defense was good going into that game, and Northwestern gets totally confused by some route combinations that Ohio State is running. It's like on top of the fact that they have the best players, these coaches are drawing up spectacular plans. So, it has been a full, full package uh, from the Buckeyes this year. I don't have to. I don't have to remind you of that. Believe it or not, I'm going to
3: ask you about Rutgers on this Ohio State Michigan <laughs> Week podcast because I'm still so fascinated by it. I mean, a lot of a lot of people have been perplexed by that addition with where Rutgers is mm. now with botching the greg shiano hire was that a mistake you know jim delaney is on his way out kevin warren is in as the new incoming commissioner yeah. of big 10 for all the things jim delaney did right the big 10 network yep. the way this 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 league prints money at this point yeah. uh getting penn state in good getting nebraska in good was it a mistake to add maryland and Rutgers, or at the very least to add Rutgers? could they have added somebody better than this
0: yeah, uh, Jim, uh, I'm going to be talking to Jim, I think, in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> now, every time I've asked him about this, he still, you know, insists he's got two answers. One, financially, it's a massive success. And two, they're playing the long game versus the short game. But when you look at, at Rutgers in Maryland, it has been a disaster in terms of watering down your product. And the real question in terms of finances that, that I still need answered, I need an honest answer from somebody at the Big Ten office. Did they realize that cord cutting was going to happen as strongly and as quickly as it has? And by that I mean, you know, when we were all going through expansion talk, it was all about we got to get the big markets. We got to get the DC market. We got to get New Jersey. We got to get a little slice of New York. These are huge markets. Right. But no 25 year old has a cable system. And I think eventually, games are all going to be a la carte so uh which game are you going to have an easier time selling are you going to have an easier time selling to an Iowa fan does an Iowa fan want to see Iowa Michigan State or Iowa Rutgers and what you've done by adding Rutgers in Maryland is you've you know you've you've added these football programs that are just just a complete joke I mean think about how great life is for Ohio State and Michigan now. Think about what adding these schools has done for them. They now go in and raid the absolute best talent from the DMV and from New Jersey, and they just stomp on Maryland and Rutgers every year. I mean, these are like bye weeks. I mean, it's been spectacular for them. But in terms of the Big Ten, I'm sorry, even if Jim tries to tell me again how great it's been financially and how you know there's so much long-term potential, I'm not really buying it. Now, I will say this. Rutgers to me can be good. Rutgers was good under Greg Schiano. It's the only game in town in New Jersey. New Jersey is a populous state with good football players. There's no reason Rutgers football should be such a joke other than horrible leadership. So there is potential there. But Maryland football does nothing for me. And obviously Rutgers basketball does nothing for anybody.
3: All right. Last one, Teddy. We'll get back on track here. What what What's it look like if this actually? I have two. I have two. What's it look like if Go this is it. a game? What, what do you d- describe to? Uh, it's Monday as we're talking, and this podcast will come out either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. As we're sitting here Monday, I need to watch a bunch of Michigan games still. I just think it's going to be yep. a game. I think going up there. Um, I think Ohio State was 10 and 0 and looked invincible in part because they hadn't played anybody with any talent and yes the indiana and cincinnati and wisconsin wins were solid wins and i absolutely think ohio state should be number one or two in the country but in terms of really being tested their two toughest games just happen to be at the end of the season so i think it's going to be a game i don't think it's a guarantee do you think what does it look like you said michigan has to play a 10 out of 10 um we talked about what Michigan might do offensively. Defensively, can Michigan do something to slow down this Justin Fields, J. K. Dobbins combination? Or or do you think maybe Ohio State's just going to go up there and impose its will and, and win this thing
0: easily? I think it's a game. Um I think the interesting part too is I mean, do we know yet if Justin Fields is hundred percent?
3: No, uh I think there's might be something with his hand or his wrist, but I think it might mm. be his non throwing hand or wrist. Um. So if that's the case Um, We don't know yet. We need to talk to Ryan Day on Tuesday. Um, I I am certainly operating under the assumption that it's not anything that would be uh, very prohibitive in terms of him being himself, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, and it'll probably be like a Tua situation where just like Alabama has the best medical professionals in the field they got got Tua ready for that uh, LSU game. Ohio State's going to be able to get uh, Justin ready for the Michigan game. But, you know, it is concerning about those fumbles because I think it was actually three fumbles on Saturday and and Justin lost two of them. So if he's got a hand issue, uh, maybe he's susceptible there. So I I tweeted out um, the other night. I said, uh, all right, my prediction on the point spread is 11. And along with that is the number that I think, you know, Determines where I would be as a better in terms of the spread, um, and if it's less than eleven, I'm going to take Michigan with the points. And you know, I, I think you cannot assume you cannot assume a victory here at Ohio State. And part of it is Michigan plays just ridiculously well at home. It's a completely different team. Michigan hasn't lost at home since 2017, and that was that was to Ohio State. Um, for whatever reason, it, it's strange to me because. I think of Michigan fans as being pretty passive. Like, I think of a Michigan fan watching a football game at the big house, standing up with his arms crossed, saying, "Ugh, oh, I can't believe the offensive coordinator just called that. You know, like, like they're not just, it's not a rabid crowd, like, say, Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin at times. And yet, there's a comfort level that Michigan has playing at home. And then you just look at the series. You look at historically when, you know, one team has more to lose Um that team sometimes, you know, loses. Um, last year, Michigan had more to lose, and Michigan lost. Ohio State stunned them. And at one of these years, it's going to happen. with a better team uh, is Ohio State, and yet the better team loses. So I certainly do like Ohio State. I put it at maybe 70-30 that the Buckeyes win, but no, this is not going to be a stomping. I think it's much more likely to be 24-17 than it is to be 34-14.
3: And, and last one then, Teddy, and this is something that, that we're going to be talking about and writing about at Cleveland.com this week. It's just kind of interesting, and, and, and I want to make sure that um, we respect all the longtime uh, Ohio State fans who I think have long, have strong feelings on this. We've seen this happen already in a year where Auburn beat Alabama in their rivalry game, yet Alabama went on and won the national title. It does yep. seem like – if Ohio, Ohio State has already clinched the Big Ten East. They are going to Indianapolis regardless. If they lose to Michigan but go to Indianapolis and win the Big Ten title with everything else that is shaken out in college football, Ohio State as a one-loss Big Ten champ is going to the playoff. How would you wrap your head around the idea of Ohio State losing to Michigan yet going to the playoff and winning the national title. We know what this rivalry has meant. We know there are some Ohio State fans who would say, I would rather beat Michigan and not go to the playoff than the reverse. Where do you stand on that kind of thing?
0: It's a great question. I have mixed emotions. I'm that old school guy who did not push for a playoff because I want every game to matter. And when LSU and Alabama play, It's so exciting to me if only one team survives. I hated reading from guys like Paul Feinbaum afterwards, oh, Alabama's still one of the best four teams. They should go to the playoff. Well, well then why play the game? I mean, if you're just going to let them both in the playoff, including the losing team, why bother? And I would feel a little bit that way with Ohio State-Michigan if Ohio State loses to Michigan and still makes the playoff. That said, you know – Look at the system we have. And if you are stacking up, let's say Ohio State is 12 and one, wins the big 10, you know, with the one loss, who do you want to put in in front? Oklahoma? No. Alabama? No. Utah? No. Um, so yeah, I think Ohio State would be in a spectacular place to do it. And look, it's one of 13 games. It is their biggest game. So assume they, you know, assuming they lost, it, it would be a huge loss, but you'd have to look at, the overall 13, and you'd have to look at a lot of Ohio State dominant wins over good teams, and, yes, it would be hard to construct a scenario where Ohio State would uh, would get Heisman and not be in that playoff.
3: Teddy Greenstein, he is the, the man when it comes to Big Ten athletics and Big Ten football. Uh, Teddy, we always appreciate your time, and uh, we will see you in Ann Arbor on Saturday.
0: Doug, thank you for finally having me. Just lived up to all my hopes and dreams. Enjoyed it tremendously. Happy See? Thanksgiving. See you uh, at the big house.
3: Same to you. And you thought you thought we said you'd be on Rutgers Week, and look, we <laughs> saved you for Michigan Week. This is huge, man.
0: It, it, ratings bonanza. Hope I come through for you. Thanks, Teddy. Enjoyed it a ton, bud. Be well. Talk to you soon.
3: All right, back here on Buckeye Talk with two very interesting competing answers. Tyler B in the nine three seven. Beating Michigan is always number one. Anyone who says otherwise wasn't around in the '90s. If Michigan beat us and we won the Natty, it would still be a failure of a season because they could say they beat us all year. Also, I sit next to two Michigan fans at work, and I really don't want to have to deal with that well, for a whole year.
1: There you, I'd rather, there you go.
3: I'd rather lose every game and spoil Michigan's season with the win over them than lose to them. The next reply from the six one four. I love the rivalry, but I think the championship is much more valuable given how much Ohio State now relies on national recruits who are not indoctrinated in the rivalry until they get to college in order to build a roster that can compete at a championship level. Last year, Ohio State beat Michigan, won the Rose Bowl, and the season still felt like a bit of a letdown. So I think a championship is more important. I think that is a very interesting point because, as we've said before, Last year was the best season Ohio State can have without winning the national title. They beat Michigan. They won the Big Ten Championship. They went to the traditional Rose Bowl. They won the Rose Bowl. And they finished number three in the country. They were ranked higher than everybody except the two teams who played for the title. And yet, it feels like a bit of a letdown. I think that is almost like a slam dunk Close the book answer to the question. And, and if you are somebody who would say, again, the vote from the early votes was 58 to 20, national championship over Michigan. If you're one of those 20, and again, your feelings are valid here on Buckeye Talk, we get it. But would you dispute the idea that last year was a little bit of a letdown? Or would you say, oh, no, no, last year was great. Sure, we had that weird loss, and nobody likes to lose. But that was awesome. I lo- is that what well, you would feel? I, it's it's. I mean, I. I it's <clears throat> hard to completely put
2: myself in the. I guess in the position of a fan. First of all, it sounds like Tyler might be. It's sort of like a Dwight Schrute situation, sitting between Jim and Pam, as the Michigan fans who are going to just be taunting him. If so, I think he's
3: got kind of his own thing going on. And in, in so you're saying Dwight, Dwight Schrute is an Ohio State fan. Jim and Pam mm-hmm. are Michigan fans. In this in this scenario, yeah. okay. Um, No, I think here's the thing.
2: Michael Scott would root for Rutgers. You have a chance to... Ohio State has a chance to beat Michigan every year. It does not have a chance to win a national championship every year, regardless of what happens in that Michigan game. Sometimes that has already passed from being an opportunity by the time the Michigan game comes around. So I think there are years where the Michigan game obviously becomes kind of the whole thing. Because if you have an off year or you have a two-loss year where you're still going to win double-digit games but you can't get into that upper echelon playoffs, then you're either spoiling Michigan season or you're ex- you're kind of putting an exclamation point on yours. But in those years where there's a national championship at stake and you can still get there even if you lose to Michigan, I don't logically see how the national
3: championship doesn't become the number one goal. <laughs> I will say that that was many people have said that same kind of thing you get Michigan every year, right. a national championship is more rare. I
1: think I think the playoff actually is like start is like having an impact on rivalry games in general because there's like we're getting a real champion now. Like it's four teams battling out to win. it's not just a computer picking the two teams who are going to go compete for a national championship game, or
3: voters in the '70s who didn't even ever see anybody else. Play. Right. And if, right, and
1: then for, and if we ever get to an 18 playoff, I think like the rival game will really start to like matter less and less. <laughs> Obviously, outside in that week, it'll be like this like magnificent thing when you're inside that bubble, but outside that bubble, it won't be as big of a deal because now there's like a legitimate chance for teams to win national championships other than just like the teams that are getting voted at the top three level and like when you're Ohio State and you do like, uh, no yeah you're right you don't have a chance to win a national championship every year but when you're one of those programs where the expectation is you're going to be putting yourself in a position to compete for a national championship every year, I think that's what the more important thing becomes than it is to beat your rivals. I I think the the
2: 18 playoff, I'm sorry, but the 18 playoff I think would actually accentuate all these rivalries again because imagine this year if there was an 18 playoff. Michigan on Saturday is not playing for any kind of national championship picture. It absolutely would be playing for some again. You're chance right. Okay, in that's, in, that's
1: in a situation where both teams are on the same level. but like on year, well, they're what? not on the same oh, level. Okay, like well, you second. know what
3: I mean. Like by- okay, so I'm going to cut it off because we've covered a lot of this ground and I want to get the people's answers on this, right. yeah. but we want to get to some other specific football stuff. The, the one thing I think is we have to realize Ohio State and Michigan are in a unique, unique situation. Most teams in rivalries don't have chances to win. Right. National titles, right. right. So there isn't a discussion. It's just like, them and all. And then nobody in and the animal. egg bowl in Old Miss Mississippi State says, well, would you rather win the national championship or beat your rival? Yeah. Nobody in Washington, Washington State says that. Nobody in, like, there, this is one of the few rivalries that actually has an effect on the national championship. So it's more complicated for Ohio State than it is for anybody else. Because most people would say, well, who's Old Miss and Mississippi State? What's more important, the rivalry or the rivalry or what? There's right. nothing else. Right. So it it is a little bit crazy here. From the 248, Ryan from the 248, only a boob would say beat Michigan. And you can quote me on that. A boob. Question from the 616. How does Michigan's pass rush compare to Penn State? Michigan doesn't seem to have the talent on the defensive line that Penn State had. Will Michigan be able to cause problems for our offensive line? That's another one from our friend, the drizziest of the busiest. I looked this up. Big Ten leaders in sacks nationally, Ohio State ranks second with 47. Wisconsin is fourth nationally with 39. Penn State is 10th nationally with 36. Michigan is 12th nationally with 35. So when Ohio State played played Wisconsin, we heard a lot from Ohio State about how good their pass rush was. That was a big thing that week, right? It was Jonathan Taylor and the Wisconsin pass rushers. I don't think Wisconsin's pass rush is as good as Wisconsin. Uh, I don't think Michigan's pass rush is as good as Wisconsin's. I think it's comparable to Penn State's. They don't have Rashawn Gary and Chase Winovich from last year. I don't think they have individual dudes. I did ask Wyatt Davis. They'll run some twists, they'll run some stunts where they're bringing guys. They'll bring a, a, a blitzer from an unusual spot. That's part of what Don Brown does. I don't think it's the individual talent on the defensive line. I think it's the scheme and how Don Brown attacks that I'm very curious to see how connected this offensive line can be. The offensive line last year played an unbelievable game. Their best game of the year, it wasn't close. It's part of why Ohio State, it's a big part of why Ohio State scored 62. Because those five guys played as one in an unbelievable fashion. This offensive line is more talented. It'll be interesting to see if they can play as connected. But also remember a
2: team, even with a team that has a really good pass rush, may choose to deploy it differently against Ohio
3: State because of Justin Fields. From the 309, Jack says he would take the national title more. Also, what is Ohio State's best overall unit heading into this game? And which one will need their best game in order for Ohio State to win? What's their
1: best unit right now? Cornerback? Uh, the, line, the, the unit coach by Larry Johnson. Yeah, I it's, think so. it's one of those
2: two groups. I, I was torn, but I, it's one of those two groups. I think,
1: I think one because I, I think the the, the Chase Young factor just like lifts it up even further than it's, it's already good. But when you have that, it just makes it that much better. But also, uh, Davon Hamilton has been great this year. J. Sean Cornell has had moments. BB Landers has had moments. Tyreek Smith, when healthy, has had some moments. Zach Harrison is actually developing a lot quicker than I thought he would develop as a freshman. I, so yeah, I'm going to go with the defensive line for sure. I think I think those are the the two leading candidates. Um.
2: Who? But I, and I almost say I almost maybe would agree with Stephen. There should be a defensive line because there's many times where the defensive line is so good and so disruptive that the cornerbacks don't even get as many challenges
3: as they would because yeah, it's hard to throw a ball with Chase Young's foot in your butt. So who I would say who needs to have a great game. Um I'm very curious about the Ohio State receivers, but I also think Ohio State just might be able to ram it down their throat and that that's not a huge thing. I would say I think the Ohio State secondary is... Yeah. Um, I just really like the Michigan receivers. Again, we've talked about this, and you mentioned K.J. Hamler when you talked about him earlier. I mean, he was the guy for Penn State last week, and I don't think he was himself. Jeff Halfley, we didn't get an assistant coach today. We only got Ryan Day and a couple players. Jeff Halfley had said last week that he thought Penn State was the best receivers Ohio State had played to that point. I think this is Michigan group is better they put – there are everybody on the field for them is a real guy. And so, yes, Jeff Okuda, Sean Wade, Jordan Fuller, and Damon Arnett are really good. I think they're going to be tested. And we thought they would be tested last week. They, eh. I think Shea Patterson can sling it better than Clifford than Sean Clifford could. And they have big guys. They have size. They have size on the edge that can go up and make plays. I, I think the Ohio State secondary is up to it, but I really think that they are – Michigan is going to, I think, dink and dunk and move the ball down the field, but they have to take a few shots in, like, the intermediate 20 to 25-yard range. If Michigan can hit 3 and 4 and 5, 20 and 25-yard passes, especially – I mean, that's just going to – it's going to give life to their drive, so everything's not 8 yards. I think the Ohio State secondary – they're not on notice because Michigan's scared of the Ohio State secondary right now. I think that's the unit for me for Ohio State that needs to play really well. Mm -hmm. I agree. Pete Capo says, beat Michigan, maybe because I grew up as a youngin during the Cooper era, and lost after lost wears on your brain. He's predicting for this game that Chase Young destroys Shea Patterson a couple times, but the combo of good wide receivers and it being the game, am I wrong to worry about the Michigan offense forcing a close one? What do you think, what side of... Is this? A, if it's a close game, is it a close game because the offenses match each other, or is it more of a close game because both defenses shut each other down?
2: Well, I see it maybe more as being a, you know, Michigan's... It's not so much Michigan's offense versus Ohio State's offense. It's Michigan's offense versus Ohio State's defense and vice versa. I just feel like the the matchups there might be more even than we've seen in any game this season for
1: Ohio State. I think Ohio State's defense has been really good at causing turnovers this year. I think if, if Michigan can, like, control, can, like, temper that. If, like, if Chase is getting a sack, but he's not getting strip sacks... Or he's not causing Shea Patterson to throw interceptions like he did last season when he caused, when Chase pretty much chased him all the way out of bounds and then Shea threw it to, literally threw it to Jordan Fuller. If that's not happening, I think then this game can be close going until the fourth quarter. Because that's part it's the, it's the strip sacks more than just the fact that he has 16 and a half sacks. I would say um, I think the Michigan defense
3: won't get blown off the field the way it did last year. So, But I think the Michigan offense would be more of the concern for me if I were Ohio yeah. State. The idea of as good as this Ohio State defense has been, Patterson's decent, the receivers are decent. If they can run the ball inside at all, um, that would be, I think, the way Michigan wins it.
2: And if you're looking for intangibles too, I just kind of feel like that Michigan offense is playing with as much confidence as it has all year. That's if you, When we asked today the Ohio State players, defensive players, tough Morland, Pete Werner, Jordan Fuller, asking them what stands out to you right now about this Michigan State offense, or Michigan offense, they keep bringing up confidence. They keep bringing up, they see something on film where this, or maybe it's just something their coaches are telling them too, I don't know. But they're talking about it, that this they, this Michigan offense feels like it has a spark right now.
3: And I will say this, um, I read somewhere that Harbaugh was handing out shirts to guys, I guess at the beginning of the year, with sixty two thirty nine on it. And I did think last year... Michigan talked about this revenge tour last year before the season, that they were going to get revenge on Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Um, and and it felt like, and I again, you guys know I'm not huge into this, but I think we have to admit sometimes it does play a role. It felt like Michigan was like somehow sort of talking last year. And I'm not talking about the Kron Higdon guarantee that wasn't a guarantee. But they just sort of had a confidence that might have been too much confidence for a team... That hasn't beaten Ohio State in a real game mm-hmm. since 2003. I think this Michigan team got humbled early when Wisconsin ran all over them, and they got a little bit left for dead. Urban Meyer's on Fox saying this is a fragile team, right? And they have rebounded from that. I think the intangibles of this—they're more dangerous this year because I think, I think last year they thought they were going to win Michigan. Yeah. And I think this year, I don't think they're thinking, we're going to beat Ohio State. But I think they're thinking, hey, we're playing well. We have a chance. And I think maybe, believe it or not, it felt like maybe Michigan had big heads last year and got a little ahead of themselves. And I think Ohio State even seized on that a little bit. And actually right now, I think the team that might have the the pressures on Ohio State, they're the one trying to get to the national championship. They can somehow get there even if they lose. I think there are a couple intangible things if you believe in it, and I don't believe in it a ton. I think if you do believe in it, I think the intangibles are on Michigan's side for this. From the five one three, I know that you guys on the coverage team are not fans of the Buckeyes. That has been explained extensively. Do we explain that too much?
1: <laughs> no,
3: we're not Buckeye fans. No, we just explained it again. Yeah, I think we. No, we Onyx, unex- No, they think we explain it. Just uh, <laughs> but does some part of you cheer for their continued success just so you can cover them in the playoffs and national championship game? Doug has been there before, but it would have to be fun for Stephen or Nathan to cover something like that for the first time. Parentheses: March Madness doesn't count, Mr. Purdue. <laughs> I've covered March Madness. I've actually, and I never covered a Final Four
2: because I covered Purdue.
3: So. Let me tell you, I've covered every... I don't know. Here's the thing. like It's fun. It's crazy. And I said, you don't get paid more. <laughs> We're covering an extra game in the Big Ten Championship. Potentially two playoff games. The guys who cover teams that play 12 games and don't even make a bowl, they get paid the same amount as the guys who cover 15 games. I'm not rooting for Ohio State to lose, but like, I don't know. It's interesting and fun. It's also a boatload of work. Bowls are easy. Bowls are like go somewhere sunny and like it matters, but it kind of doesn't matter, and you can try to do like kind of crazy stories and stuff. Playoffs are like the real deal, brother. Like you are working morning till night. So like, would you guys generally like be excited to cover the college football playoff? I mean, sure. I, I don't know if excited is the right word. I mean, I think
2: it's it's one of those things that you um, look back with a little bit more. Um, Fondness than you feel in it at the moment, because it just is it is so much work in, in in time and there's so many people covering this team at once that your your number one goal is not kind of standing around taking in the atmosphere of the superdome or whatever it's more about am I thinking about this game the right way to write about the things I need to write about and maybe find the one little wrinkle that none of the other sixty people covering this team has thought about. It's kind of like, since somebody brought up March Madness, it, Purdue had these two crazy games back to back last spring, and people after, after the fact came in, oh, that was such an amazing night, what was it like to be courtside for that, and you're kind of like, I was, my fingers never stopped for like two hours, you're just writing and typing and tweeting and it's, texting. it's a mess. It's a mess. So, uh, so you don't really get to enjoy it in the moment the way a fan does.
1: Yeah, I think, like, uh, so I've never done, I've covered Box Madness before. It's like, I think the first time I ever covered, like, a, a game that has a buzzer beater for a win, it's like, if you're just a fan and it's like, oh my god, you won it. If you're, like, working, like, it completely messes up. Because you're obviously, by the second, like, five minutes up into a game, you're writing. Like, we've talked about all this. In the second half, we're writing. Well, if that happens, it completely changes your story. And so, like, I mean, there isn't – it'd be cool to tell my kids about one day that, yeah, I covered the national championship team. But, like, not in the moment. It's just work. So,
3: listen, I also, like, I, I think it's interesting when people want to see behind the scenes. I also hate the questions that make us sound like we're complaining about our jobs. Yeah, yeah. We are not <laughs> right. complaining about like, our jobs. We are privileged to get to do this. We get paid to talk about sports. Already. We understand it, but yeah, it, it's
2: it's, n- it's not, it can
3: be crazy. It's a it, crazy amount of work when not it gets big. The,
2: yeah, it's not the same as if you're
3: an accountant and
2: from, like, you know, the middle of January through middle of April, your life is hell because it's just
3: nonstop people dumping receipts off in your lap. It's not the same as that. You're still getting to cover football from the nine three seven. It would be my least favorite national championship, but I would take the national championship anyway I could get it That's if you cool lost movie. Michigan. That's a good answer. From the four seven zero, Troy and Atlanta for this season. I'd rather see Ryan Day beat Michigan to show he can do it and further infuriate their fan base. I don't want Harbaugh to get any sense of confidence with the new Buckeye staff. I thought that was interesting. From the 6-1-4, Penn State was gashing the Ohio State defense with a QB run. I can't really remember if teams have tried the QB power running game prior to this. Is this a potential weakness that Michigan can exploit? And do they have the scheme and the quarterback to do it? It pains me to say this, but I think I would take the national championship. Um, And their point is, they think this Ohio State team is kind of built for a national championship. They're not sure what the defensive loss is next year if they'll be in the same spot. Again, I think Ohio State should compete every year for the national championship. But with the way that Justin Fields has developed and with Chase Young and Jeff Okuda here and Malik Harrison and some of these defenders that you're going to lose, I think that's also a valuable point. You have to realize there's no down years at Ohio State, but there are some up years that are upper than others. And this is like a super duper up year potentially with the way things have come together. Do you guys think there's anything in the QB run game that Penn State showed last week that would carry over to this week?
1: I mean, yeah. Shay I think Shea Patterson is more of like a sit back and throw the ball type of guy, but like he's shown the ability to do like if, to do what they did last week. So yeah, like I, sure.
3: He doesn't run a ton. When you watch him, you think he has the ability to run. He doesn't have huge running stats by any measure. I thought they should have tried to run him more last year, and they didn't. Most of his runs are on scrambles. I would not be shocked if Gaddis instituted a couple more QB draws and stuff because they are running these RPOs. They do. A, he does a pretty good job of having a feel for that, and I think if you start adding a quarterback runoff of that, um, I think it might be a wrinkle. The thing, and I want to make sure I make this point because it's just sort of my overall view of the game, I always say you can't go wide against Ohio State. There's definitely a component against Mich- a component of Michigan's offense that is based on some swing passes and bubble screens to the receivers and getting their athletes to the edge. That's not going to work. You're not going to get Donovan Peoples-Jones to the edge against Jeff Okuda, who is a, a bad man as a tackler. He's a really good tackler. He is really tough. Um, yeah. Chase Young chases people down. Like I get. I do think the stuff in the middle of the field can work. It works against a lot of teams, but I quick hits, quick hits, get the ball out of Chase, out of Chase Patterson, get the ball mm-hmm. out of Shea Patterson's hand, hit these tight ends, hit these receivers over the middle. Hope you get a couple catch and runs, right? Where you, you turn an 8 yard, 12 yard pass into a 20 yard gain. Running back stuff, popping it up the middle with Haskins or Charbonnet. I think that's there. I think they showed that at times this year where they can pop some stuff between the defensive tackles. A little bit of stuff to take. I don't think they... They have to have a better plan for Chase Young than Michigan, than Penn State did. Penn State had no plan. And I was reading some stuff after the fact that they said Penn State just schematically just believes in leaving their tackles one-on-one. It's like a base
1: principle, which is just a failure against Chase Young. And you know what? That's been the season. Like, Because Wisconsin oh. didn't have the best plan either. Like... There were some like where like the running back. It's clear that the running back should stay on the same side. As Chase Young and Chip, and he leaves to go help block the other the other defensive end. I I don't. I think I think we've been saying this way too many weeks in a row. Where like oh this team has to have a better plan for Chase Young. Like no one is doing it. Like it's very clear. Like Chase is gonna get a sack eventually because he's Chase. But like it's very clear that like there needs to be a game plan for him. But for some reason nobody on Ohio State's schedule yet has done anything to like negate anything he's doing. Or at least make it difficult for him to do what he's doing.
3: They've, I think Michigan has the best chance to do that. I think they'll do some misdirection stuff. It's, you don't have to block him. You could use him to, his aggression against him. You can get the ball. A lot of times in the past, what we saw with good teams, because Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa were really good, there were times where you could negate Joey Bosa, it felt like, just because he won his matchup, he got to the quarterback, and by the time he got there, the ball was gone. So Chase is, I think, even faster off the ball than the Boses were. But I just think if if Michigan's on its game with some of this RPO quick throw action, it'll be out. And that's the best way to deal with it. And I do think they'll run a couple throwbacks to the tight end. They'll try to run some stuff with some motion. Um, they can't go wide all that much, but I think throws in the middle of the field, running up the middle, moving the ball. I don't think they will hit a ton of big plays. As much as I said, I think the secondary for Ohio State's a big deal. I don't think they're going to hit 80-yard bombs. I think they might hit a couple 20-yarders. I think they might be able to put drives together. And like Jeff Hafley was saying, with the way they shut down Penn State, they, he liked the way they defended Hamler and Frymuth because they, he said, we made them drive on us and we don't think teams can drive on us. As long as you take the big play away... Ohio State believes you're not going to string together nine good plays. We're eventually going to get you. We're going to sack you. We're going to force you into a hold. We're going to get you off schedule. And we're going to make you punt if we don't turn you over. I think the Michigan offense, more than any offense so far, more than the Wisconsin run game, more than Penn State, has the best chance to drive on Ohio State. Because of the quick throws, because some of the variety, can they drive like five times? and score 35 points because they put five touchdown drives together, man, that is a tall order. That's when you get to the difference of Michigan competing and Michigan winning. I don't know if they can do it enough to win. I think they can do it enough to compete.
2: Well, and then it becomes interesting in a game like this, where if Ohio State has to run the ball a lot, because if you're driving enough, then you're just taking possessions away from the other team too. And Ohio
3: State now has to maximize every possession in a way that it really hasn't had to very much this year. A question about Jonathan Cooper. This was asked of Ryan Day today. And I had actually, we had talked about it, Nathan, and I was wrong. I thought when they decided they were red and him, they're like, this was it. He has three games that he's played. He can play one more. And Ryan Day definitely said today, it's like, yeah, he's going to play. He will play, yeah. The nine three seven from the nine three seven asked the question, like, when would you use him? Would you use him against Michigan? Would you use him in the Big Ten Championship game? Would you save him for the playoff? I'd say this him is play. now a strategic thing. He's one of your starting defensive ends. He can play one more game and still red shirt.
1: You'd save him for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't think you need... like First of all, he's not Chase Young, know, with all due respect to Jonathan Cooper. You don't need him to win this game, and you don't need him to beat out of Wisconsin and Minnesota. Well, the other thing that is an X-factor here is we don't know how healthy he is. We haven't <clears throat> talked
2: to Cooper in a while, and he was inactive there for a while leading up to... He was finally active again this past week, but it was obvious that they weren't going to use him in that game, in retrospect. So I don't know how... If he's not 100%, there's definitely no reason to use him. And even if, he, even if you have an injury somewhere else, if, if uh, Zach Harrison or Tyreek Smith or whoever's at the other defensive end, if your defensive end depth is compromised... How much does it have to be compromised before you're putting Jonathan Cooper in at less than 100% for the one shot that you get with him? And then there are game situations that determine this too. I thought that was maybe, you know, Ryan Day clearly has thought about this because based on the answer he gave, it's like, it's not just which game is most important. There's a lot of factors involved. But I would say that right now, if the rest of the defensive line depth is healthy and Jonathan Cooper can get healthier, there's definitely no reason to play him yet. I think you're saving him and it's probably. I don't know who they're going to play in the, in the Big Ten Championship where they would have to use him to win that game, even if there was some depth compromise there. I think you're definitely looking for a moment or a a
3: matchup in a potential playoff scenario. You're saving him for Joey Burrow, baby. Maybe, yeah. 502, they would pick the national championship. We get a chance at Michigan every year. National championships are rare. Since 2001, Ohio State is 17-2 and against Michigan. I'll gladly go 17-3 and if it meant a national championship. That's some perspective too of like, you know, I mean, you're not gonna win every single year, so maybe if you're gonna sacrifice one, sacrifice it now. Yeah,
2: it wouldn't yeah. This is the one time that you, as an Ohio State follower, might be able to lose to
3: Michigan and still ultimately win everything you wanna win. From the 5-6-7, beating Michigan, two ten and one. The other side of the argument. Again, I think I think how not? It's, part of it's whether you lived through the Cooper years or a lot, but or not. But how scarred you are by the Cooper years is definitely a factor in how people answer here, no doubt about it. But it's, I understand
2: why that's a factor and why you don't ever, ever, ever want to lose to Michigan. But that's almost not really the question that's being asked here. It's a trade. It's a. It's this. It's this proposition. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a different question. I, I just
1: think they're, like, the answer is coming in a situation where they didn't have the alternative. Well, the well, thing is, too, is like the, the question isn't actually,
3: okay, if you lose to Michigan, here's the national championship trophy. They're not going to present it to you. Right. On the, no. Like, it's not actually. So the, the deal is the people who, who feel that, who are particularly scarred by Cooper years, and every Ohio State fan feels it, but particularly those the two ten and one people, or say no guarantee that you're gonna if win. If Ohio State loses to Michigan, you're gonna feel terrible. And like maybe a month and a half later you will feel good. But you know what? Well, but that, taking the joy in the moment But that's I not the, it.
2: but that's not the question it's being asked, because it's being asked beyond the national championship game. It's being asked after that game Yeah. And their answering is I, understand, big, I understand what no, you're saying. I, I know. And in practicality, if you're looking forward to this game, then as an Ohio State fan, you, you certainly
3: want to win because there is no guarantee, actually, that you would even make the playoff. I mean, It's I not 100%. The question, if, if if this unfolds, if Ohio State loses to Michigan and wins the national championship, and then we ask, would you trade, would you give up this national championship for a Michigan win? See, that's what I feel like the question Na- really yeah, is. Yeah, that's the but, question. But, but you can't, I understand being unable to answer it while... It hasn't happened yet. And you're just saying, whatever the thing is, while we're being in theoretical land, in theoretical land, I want to kick Michigan's butt. Do anything else is gravy. I want to beat Michigan. I get it. From the 5-6-1. And we're almost done here. Maybe I'll do a hey, Dougs. I always say maybe I'll do a hey, Dougs. I never do. This is interesting. I feel like this is a trap game. And I think... (laughs) This is ridiculous, but as soon as we start talking about the idea of, well, they can win the national championship even if they lose, like you bring all that kind of thought into it. Now, let's finish the question. How can the greatest rivalry in sports be a, be trap, a game. trap game? Seven straight wins. Ohio State with some propensity for turnovers, which have not hurt us yet, but could in a hostile environment. A vastly improved and highly motivated Michigan team. And every pundit in the country giving us the win and anointing us one or two in the college football playoff. This is a very worrisome combination to me. I wasn't born yet, but it has 1969 written all over it. You are the one steeped in 1969 right now. It's 50 years exactly, but do you, does it also feel like if it wasn't an anniversary or whatever, do you feel similarities? Oh, there are some similarities here. I mean,
2: it's the fact that it's in Ann Arbor, the fact that one of the head coaches is um, coaching in it for his the first time. It was Bo in 1969. The fact that um, Ohio State that Michigan has two losses, which they had in 1969. I think Michigan was ranked 12th or 13th in 69, and is roughly that same ranking this time. There's a lot of little weary, weird, eerie things there. Um, the other thing is though that. But but 69 was just such a different era. We talked about it before. So that was the finality of that game. There was not even another bowl game to go play in, let alone the Rose Bowl. Like There was just nothing else. That was the one. That really was their national championship game in many ways. So you can, you can decide whether or not you think that that makes it different or not because there's certainly people now who talk about, well, we don't need more than a 14 playoff because there just was a playoff game last week where Ohio State eliminated Penn State. There's people who look at it that way. And they look at...
3: Friday, or Saturday, I mean, again, is potentially another one of those games. I thought this question was from Amy in North Carolina, but they're saying any national championship, and they put an M instead of an N. I was like, oh, Amy in North Carolina. It's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Um, has Day spent some time every week on Michigan, like the previous two coaches have done? Also, um, any national championship win with a loss in the game is completely tainted, and I would always pick the game victory first Tell the people what we know about, like, constant Michiganness in this program right now. They
1: have the team of North Abs, which every day they do... How many days it is till Michigan... Well, t- till Michigan game, you have to do that many crunches. Or I had not ever heard that before until Chris Olave said that today. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's... Yeah. And I... I honestly... And, like, no, no. Because, like, they, the players usually don't tell us exactly what it is. They just say whatever they're doing makes you hate them that much longer. More. I think if it's, like, December 1st and I have to do, like, 312 crunches for a game that isn't for another year, I would hate that team, too. I love that. That's a great way. Because you're probably in a lot of pain in January versus, like, Friday when they do one. And it's like, all right, do your one crunch. So, yes, part of it is
3: that they do this thing. They just have – and in practice, they just have a Michigan period. And they just call it the Michigan period. And then they do something. Part of this, it's not necessarily like, hey, Michigan runs an RPO. So this period, we're going to work on something Mm -hmm. for Michigan's game plan. It's about having it embedded in your head. It's about thinking about something every day. It's a psychological thing. That if you just said to yourself, every day, I'm going to call breakfast my, um, you know, my be a happy person meal. And then every day it's like, well, what did you do during breakfast to be a happy person? It's like, well, when I call it my be a happy person meal, it just kind of reminds me to be a happy person. I don't necessarily have to do something to be a happy person. But the reminder itself might encourage you to be happier. The reminder of Michigan every day helps make you hate those freaking dudes a little more. That's what they're good at. It doesn't
1: have to be how to beat Michigan. It's a reminder every day. Especially when you're, like, pairing it with something that's, like, you hate. It's like, what's that, like, thing they call when, like, like you're you trying to train a dog to, like... like Come for a whistle or something like that? Pavlo-
2: Pavlovian Pavlov,
1: response? That's literally what it is. It's a Pavlovian response. And so you're doing something every day that you're do- telling them to do something that they're 100% going to hate. And they're like, you know, relating that to Michigan. So, like, basically, by the time the Michigan game comes around, it's like, oh, I hate this thing. Because everything that I hate in life has been associated with this thing. Last couple Justin from Rock Hill, South, Car- Rock Hill, South Carolina. I once applied for a job
3: there did not get it. I've, I've applied for a lot of jobs. Have you guys applied for a lot of jobs that you did not get?
2: Oh, I just yeah.
1: graduated from college, so yes.
3: <laughs> I've,
2: yes, I've applied for a mountain of jobs. Sometimes, I, I've i not interviewed for a lot of jobs I didn't no. get, though. In this business, a lot of times it's it's connections and things like yeah. that, and sometimes they already know who they want to hire before they even put out the ad, you know what I mean? If so, you get
1: in the interview, you're probably going to get the job.
3: I definitely applied for a job one time, and... Uh, I sort of informally interviewed, but they hired uh, a pasty white guy from my college instead of me. And so it was like very, who had like the same experience as me. And it was like very specifically, it was like, we were looking for someone just like you. But not you. But not you. You've got everything we want except just not you. And I was like, it's not you, it's like, me. Yeah. It's it's not us. It's it's definitely you. It's got to be an ego killer. No, it didn't actually. My ego is still okay. Believe yeah, me. you it, can tell... you have are right. Jesus, imagine what his ego would it's be like right now. If, I actually, if, if he had gotten that job. It wouldn't fit in his room. I've gotten three jobs in my life. Uh, the first two was because they wanted to hire my wife. And the third one was because I knew the boss. So, like, that's... Uh, National championship, and it's a no-brainer, says Justin and Rock Hill, South Carolina. Ohio State is a national program that recruits on a national level. This is like a good final statement on this. We are no longer confined to Big Ten and Midwest recruiting. While it is important to win the Big Ten and beat the school up north, Urban Meyer established a recruiting system that mandates Ohio State to compete and play in the natty on a consistent basis. I am a huge fan of the history and importance of the rivalry. However, anyone who chooses a win over the school up north over a natty is foolish, It is simple. Which win produces more four- and five-star recruits for years to come? Which win ensures consistent future success? It's not close, guys. Love the pod. Keep it up, my friends, from the 440. I think that is – I was surprised how many people went down that road with this answer. That part of their answer was based on what would help us win more later. That, like, winning the national championship is more important for getting better recruits later to win more later than beating Michigan is, and like I understand that point, but it's also like sort of like in the moment, it's like well, you know, you just if you're good, you'll get good recruits. But but I do think, and as part of this, I think as we start to wind this up, there's definitely a couple more things I want to get to. But Ohio State is a national program, and again, as is the case with a lot of things with Ohio State, they are in a unique position that most schools are not in, in that they are part of a absolutely intense local rivalry, while also being an incredibly national program. So most fan bases don't have this push and pull. Alabama does. Clemson doesn't have a rival on this scale. Oklahoma does. Oklahoma, Texas, I'm sure it's a similar thing. But I think if we went down the list, I don't know that Georgia has a rival to this degree. Florida and Florida State when they're both good. When they're both good and they haven't been at this level in a while but i think maybe alabama, oklahoma and ohio state would be the three current programs who are competing on a national level but also tied to a local rivalry that is really valuable. and then of those, ohio state-michigan is still more intense than anything else. and it's interesting that <coughs> kind of
1: alabama won the national championship in 2017. they also lost to auburn that year. and i don't know like Obviously I don't live in Alabama and I've never lived in Alabama. I've been there once in my life. But I don't know how like many Alabama fans were like, Well we lost to Auburn. I I, I don't I, that's the example. Yeah. It's the example and I think it's the, the
3: example that like wins it for the national championship voters. The only way the only thing th- response to that is well this is more intense. So I don't care what happened in Auburn, Alabama. because poison hey, trees. I think every Alabama fan, I bet, would say we'd take the national title. Yeah. And so then you would have to say, yeah, but, but this is even more. With the, and I don't know. To me, it's one of those
2: things where in that situation, doesn't it kind of negate the bragging rights a little bit too? Because as much crap as the, that fan base wants to blow the team that lost, the team that lost can say, well, wait, so what was wrong with you the rest of the season? You could yeah. beat the national champion and you couldn't get it done yeah. the rest of the weeks? So you still lost
3: to whatever flimsy team they lost to along the way? I mean, and I, I have said, it's like a win. If it would happen, it really would be a win-win. Michigan would be super happy. Yeah. If Ohio State fans said to Michigan, yeah, you beat us, but who cares? If we won the national title. Michigan fans would say, yeah, but we beat you. And Ohio State fans would say, yeah, but we don't care. We won the national title. They could both be happy, which that might be the outcome of this. This is the only way that Ohio State Michigan fans can be happy in the same year. Michigan beats Ohio State. Ohio State wins the national championship. Otherwise, one fan base is going to be ticked off. So maybe everyone could be happy with your happy meal, my happy meal breakfast. Uh, From the 419, winning the national championship has more value. Ohio State beats Michigan a lot. In the same period they won two national championships, they beat Michigan 15 times. I thought that was interesting. From 317, I'm conflicted. My heart wants to destroy the Blue and maze again, but my head really wants another national championship. Life as a Buckeyes fan is so difficult. (laughs) I think that's part of it. Again, a lot of things. It's a head versus heart thing. Yeah. In your heart, you hate Michigan. In your head, you realize national championship is more important. And again, sometimes it's okay to go with your heart. From the nine three seven, beating Michigan has always been my answer until now. Now I think it would be funny to lose the game and win the championship. Trolling Michigan fans would reach a new level. I thought that was interesting. This is from the uh, from the four one two. And then they followed up by saying, is Doug going to get to my question? Probably not, but he's going to get into my wallet for his $3.99 a month. So here's your question from the 412. The national title would be bigger, but the season would come with an asterisk on it with a loss to Michigan. The media keeps saying that LSU's schedule is so much stronger than ours, but if we win out, that's wins over two top 10 teams, presumably and three top 15 teams. Um, I just don't get how this team won't be the one seed if they win out. So they think there'd be an asterisk. I still think like I think the media is wrong on that. I don't think the committee's going to see it that way. I'm still on the idea as we re- reevaluate it now and we're doing this as the playoff. That's the one thing about this. We usually do have a playoff component to this cuz we record after it's announced Tuesday night. We're recording this at 6:45. It's about to come out. Do you think if Ohio State wins out, they'll still be they'll be number 1? That's where I still am there. I, I think so and They they
2: definitely have a good chance And and part of it is because I think the one thing And I'm actually hoping to maybe ask Rob Moulds about this tonight Is the fact that Ohio State Between Ohio State and LSU One of them has gone on the road and beaten really good teams And one of them hasn't Partially just because that's the way the schedule worked out Is that one of the differentiating factors in where they are right now? And if so One would assume that going on the road and beating a team as good as Michigan Which is getting respect from the CFP it would be interesting to see where they're ranked this week does that win help push them over to the top because it'll be on the road? I think it will really enhance their resume at that point.
3: From the 937, beating Michigan with no hesitation. My hatred for Michigan surpasses any wish to win a national championship. Lose to Michigan, throw the whole season away, period. That's from Urban Meyer. I'm just kidding. Mike from the 646, national championship. Buckeyes play Wolverines every year. You lose, it sucks, but 12 months later you can get revenge. How often do you play for the natty? Uh, there's just a couple. I, I picked out a few of these. From the 919... A Michigan victory only has a one year shelf life A national championship has a buzz for several years Plus I can buy a cool t-shirt By the way, I am over 60 So I don't fit Stephen Means' profile That the old guys are stuck <laughs> on the Michigan game College football has changed From the seven-four-zero, It's Tom, he says there is no short answer to that question But speaking honestly Short term, beating that school up north Big picture, winning the natty That actually, I mean that's the right answer of course um, the people who forced into something. I want to read this one stat and we'll get final thoughts and then get out of here. It's from Nick Baumgardner, who covers Michigan and does a great job for the athletic. Over the last eight games, Shea Patterson has completed 61% of his throws for 8.5, 8.5 yards per attempt with 15 touchdowns against two interceptions. Over the last two weeks, he's thrown for 750 yards and nine touchdowns. He's been accurate, he's been aggressive, but most important, he's seeing everything. I think Ohio State is catching Michigan at its absolute best. Sometimes teams yep. peak early. This is the best Michigan I think is is certainly playing this year, maybe has played in a long time. I think there are a lot of intangibles that favor Michigan. I think they will move the ball offensively. I think if Don Brown can throw enough tricks so it's not easy for Ryan Day, I think Justin Fields is going to be tested with some of the coverages that Michigan throws at him. I think Ohio State will have to lean on the run game and will be able to lean on the run game. I asked a trivia question this week about how many Ohio State running backs had ever run for 200 yards against Michigan. You have to be a tech subscriber to get that answer. I think J.K. Dobbins might run for 200 yards against Michigan. I think Ohio State will win. I think Michigan will keep it close. I think Michigan actually, times will make this Ohio State defense look bad in a way that they haven't looked this year. I know I thought it would be close last week against Michigan, against Penn State and the, really the only reason it was was because of the turnovers and like somebody on Twitter said yeah it was only close on the scoreboard and it's like well I don't know what to tell you stuff happens. I don't think Ohio State's loose with the ball but they're not perfect and also at some point the worm turns and frankly Michigan is deuce of luck in this thing. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I don't know if you believe in that stuff or not, but I think it is possible that, like, it could be close enough that, like, some terrible luck goes against Ohio State. Some ridiculous turnover. Ohio State makes a play on the ball and tips a ball, and Michigan catches a three tipped touchdown. There's an egregious missed call or something that, like, you can't believe that you, and it, like, that's how Michigan finally wins on some horrible thing. That they shouldn't have won, but they did. Like, they're just do that. Right? The spot equivalent. I'm not saying it was a bad spot in 2016. Michigan fans think it was. I'm not predicting an Ohio State loss. I am absolutely predicting a one-score game. Do not underestimate Michigan. This is an excellent Ohio State team. But I think it's fun to talk about this scenario that has been sort of of the thrust of this podcast. But I also think it's possible it comes true. I think Ohio State is simultaneously good enough to win the national championship and Michigan is good enough to beat Ohio State on this Saturday. I concur with that. I think that's that's a very good read on what could be ahead of us. I agree. Six minutes, two seconds, two seconds. Um, <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in there, I forgot to mention it at the time, but we dropped in, you know what? Should I do it now? All right, we'll do it now. This is a good rap. usually drop the interview in the middle. Nah, but I didn't tease it. I think I probably you have already listened to it. Now it's in the middle. Thanks to Teddy Greenstein, who I dropped into the middle of this podcast. I decided now, but you already heard it. Nathan's going to have playoff stuff. Mid-season form. We're talking into a box, man. Your fiancé's shutting doors. Why are these people in my house screaming? Um... Stephen means Nathan Baird, Doug Maurice, Try the texts, read our stories. Cleveland.com slash OSU. We will be in Ann Arbor on Saturday. We will be in Indianapolis. No matter what happens Saturday, we will be in Indianapolis next weekend. And by the way, I was going to have us talk about it, but there's too much Ohio State Michigan stuff. Minnesota Wisconsin is also Saturday. The winner goes to Indianapolis. Huge game. It, it like, I don't know who you want to win. I don't know who we think is going to win. I think it would be a little more interesting to cover if it's Minnesota, because I'm a little sick of Wisconsin. No offense to Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. It would
2: absolutely be more interesting to cover if Minnesota wins. I think Wisconsin will win.
3: we we'll the boat. Quick little interjection by me. Yeah, Ohio State is number one. The playoff rankings came out after we finished recording. We're not shocked. Um, it's now one versus 13, Ohio State versus Michigan. And as some people have pointed out, it was one versus 12 back in 1969. Ohio State versus Michigan. Also, by the way, you're going to hear some headlines after the Buckeye Talk close here at the end. It's just something we have to do for Google search. Um, You don't really have to listen to them if you don't want to. It's just me talking for a couple minutes about what's up with Ohio State in the news. But if you want to listen to me, I'm never going to tell you not, uh, not to do that. All right. For Stephen and Nathan, I'm Doug, and that was Buckeye Talk. What's going on with Ohio State football? Your headlines on the Buckeyes from Buckeye Talk by Cleveland.com. Catch us every Wednesday wherever you find your favorite podcasts. First off, Ohio State visiting Michigan on Saturday. In another edition, it is game number 116 in the rivalry that many call the greatest rivalry in sports. Ohio State has won 14 out of the last 15 in this series and Michigan has not beaten a good Ohio State team since 2003. Everything is on the line again, although there's a little twist to this. Ohio State has already clinched the Big Ten East division title and will head to the Big Ten championship game the following weekend, no matter what. So actually, Ohio State could lose to Michigan still win the Big Ten and still probably make the college football playoff, but that does not diminish this rivalry. There's a a lot of history, a lot of tradition. Michigan could really use a win, so it is number one versus number 13, Ohio State at Michigan on noon in the greatest rivalry in sports. What's happened lately is that the college football playoff rankings have come out, and that pushed Ohio State back to number one which made the Buckeyes back on top. They passed LSU this week. Ohio State number one, LSU number two. If both those teams win out, they will continue to jockey for position for the top spot in the college football playoff. This is a reminder of 1969, 50 years ago. Ohio State as number one as the defending national champion went to Michigan and they were upset by the Wolverines in Bo Schembechler's first season and what was the beginning of what everyone calls the 10-year war between Ohio State and Michigan. So good news for the Buckeyes that they are back on top of those rankings. That's kind of important for the postseason as the number one team will most likely avoid Clemson in the semifinal, but also harkening back to 50 years ago, to one of the great upsets in this rivalry when Michigan took down number one Ohio State. Again, the latest college football playoff rankings that were released on Tuesday night have Ohio State at number one and Michigan at number 13. Quarterback Justin Fields, his health for this game, he was tackled late in the Penn State game last week, went down a little bit awkwardly, but Ohio State coach Ryan Day said immediately after that game last Saturday that he was fine, and, and Day reiterated that. On Tuesday at interviews with reporters, we have not talked to Justin Fields since the end of that game. Normally we talk to the quarterback after the game or normally we talk to him during the week. Did not get him on either of the interview occasions this week. But indications from the coaches that he is fine and Ohio State's quarterback who remains a Heisman Trophy candidate will be good to go for the Buckeyes and the Wolverines on Saturday. Speaking of Ryan Day, this coaching matchup, it is Ryan Day's first appearance as a head coach in this series, but for Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh, he is now 0-4 in this Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, and it is hard to be defined as a successful coach on either side of the ball in this rivalry if you cannot beat your rival. So many um, feel that this is Jim Harbaugh's opportunity. Urban Meyer was 7-0 and in this series for the Ohio State Buckeyes, four of those wins against Jim Harbaugh the former Michigan quarterback who was brought back to uh, revive the Michigan football team. And he has done that in many ways, basically in every way, except beating Ohio State. So this is Jim Harbaugh's possibly his best opportunity yet. The Buckeyes are number one, uh, but Urban Meyer is gone. However, Ryan Day, he did not grow up in this rivalry. Uh, unlike Jim Tressel, Luke Fickle, and Urban Meyer, the last three Ohio State coaches who were all from Ohio, Ryan Day is from New Hampshire, but he very quickly has figured out what this rivalry is all about. Uh, so Jim Harbaugh, 0-4. Ryan Day, 0-0 in Ohio State, Michigan, heading into Saturday. And finally, Several award candidates headlining this game for the Ohio State Buckeyes. We are in award season for college football. Uh, Chase Young, J.K. Dobbins, and Justin Fields all remain Heisman Trophy candidates. Those uh, The Heisman Trophy finalists will be announced after the college football conference championship weekend. But right now, we uh, know that four Ohio State Buckeyes are finalists for individual awards. Jeffrey Okuda, the cornerback for Ohio State, is a finalist for the Jim Thorpe Award for the best defensive back. J.K. Dobbins, the running back, he is a finalist for the Doak Walker Award for the best running back. Justin Fields, a quarterback, a finalist for the Davy O'Brien Award as best quarterback, and defensive end Chase Young, a finalist for the Bednarik Award and the Nagurski Award, both awarded to the best overall defender. Chase Young, also a finalist for the Maxwell Award, which goes to the best overall college football players. Those awards will be given out later in December, but for now, everybody focusing on Ohio State versus Michigan. Saturday at Michigan Stadium. Follow uh, Cleveland.com for more coverage and make sure you listen to Buckeye Talk, our weekly Ohio State podcast, every Wednesday wherever you find podcasts.